Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and poopin' ain't easy, <laughs> so you should have a beer. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading our Patreon-selected book of the month. This is Angels and Demons by Dan Brown, and I'm starting with a beer right away, because we're going to need one. God knows. This is from Evil Twin NYC, which, now that I think about it, an evil twin is the is the only plot cliche that wasn't in this book. This is an imperial stout with hun- brewed with honey roasted peanuts, butter, toffee, cashews, honey roasted almonds, and cashew crunch coming in at a modest 12% alcohol. So on an August day, this is exactly what you want to be drinking. What's it called? Nuts for nuts because this book's pretty nuts. And there are some characters who are definitely nuts. And if there is a thing I would think this book sucked, it would be he's nuts so it applies <laughs> it does yes however you'd like so this is a delicious beer i mean in terms of the nut flavor i <laughs> uh, really <laughs> <laughs> strong notes of nuts uh i do taste and it's nuts for nuts is i don't know if they have those outside of new york city those like street vendors that sell roasted oh, yeah. peanuts and stuff like that i don't know how how well known a phenomenon that is but it does taste like that kind of street vendor peanut, you know, roasted spiced peanuts. nuts. They're not spicy. They're sweet. I mean, they have a They're thing on. They have something nuts. on them. Are they I like sweet? Yeah, glazed nuts. <laughs> mm, they glisten. So, uh, Angels and Demons is Dan Brown's first book with the character Robert Langdon, and uh, more famous book is The Da Vinci Code, which we did ages ago. And we decided our theme for the Patreon poll this month would be shitty. Well, I forget how we phrased it. But Trashy it was, summer beach reads. But it was all Dan Brown books. Yeah. <laughs> we just put Dan Brown books we haven't done. You know, and this is our second Dan Brown book. And it is number two uh, in many ways. Even though it comes first in the series, it came out in 2000. And I don't know. I actually didn't even bother to look up. I don't think it was really that famous. I think the Da Vinci Code was the one that really blew up. And then this became popular afterwards. Hmm. It might have done okay when it came out, but... It, it did well enough for them to make him, let him write another one, you know? But the Da Vinci Code was the huge international bestseller, and then people went back, went and read this one. And yeah, here it is. This is my second time reading it. How about you guys? Yeah, me too. Though so I, yeah. I read the Da Vinci Code first and was like, okay. And then halfway through Angels and Demons, which I read second, I was like, this is the exact same plot... But this was actually the first one, so I guess I can be a little bit less critical of that. No. Because this is when he came up with it. You have to it, be retroactively critical of Da Vinci Code. We were, I think we were pretty critical of it. We, we were very critical. Back in but for one. having the same plot as this one that you had. Oh, yeah, yet. definitely. <laughs> he just created a Conspiracy Mad Libs, and that's how he writes his books. And the yeah. guy's phenomenally wealthy, so I guess, you know, it worked. Good for him. So the book starts with Robert Langdon, world's coolest symbology professor slash expert lap swimmer slash Mickey Mouse watch enthusiast. He is a, he is a self-proclaimed bachelor because he just loves water polo and, and hanging out by himself too much. And we should also say that symbology is bullshit and not real. So this book this, actually has he, less symbology ar- than than yeah. Vinci Code, a lot and, less. And this one, they call him an artist, art history professor pretty much every time. Yeah, he's a professor of art history. Luckily for Robert Langdon, there are symbols all over this book that he can deduce, because symbols are Do, in plenty on the of deuce. things. 
This is called In Plenty, and it's by Omnipoyo, which we haven't had in a long, long time. I'm almost confident they don't pronounce it Omnipoyo, but I think we should, should consist with it. Yeah, it's, you know, Swedish, Spanish, whatever. It's um, all the chicken. <laughs> this is an imperial stout with coconut, cocoa nibs, and vanilla added. 12% alcohol also, so good luck us. Nice. Yeah, it's really nice. Tastes kind of like melted ice cream. Ooh, pastry stout. It's, uh, it is their pastry series or something? I don't remember. I don't know. That was a different can I saw. Yeah, it's a big, big stout full of, full of delicious and strong. Oh, I'm going to need it to uh, get through this shit show, though. So we have gotten, pe- we've gotten to page one. Okay, so <laughs> the, gotta, you know, there's a lot. So Robert Langdon, it's an incredible he's, amount of plot. It only, like, gives him a little bit of, it, basically, he just, like, gets a phone call at 5 a.m., and he says, like, he's like, what, what the fuck time is it? And the person on the line says, my name is, does he even say his name? Like, I'm the, di- Maximilian Kohler, and I am the director of CERN, and I need to speak to you. I have Your- some concerns. <laughs> <laughs> I need to speak to you. And Robert Langdon is like, oh, it's another fucking crazy conspiracy nut after I... Because oh, he mentions the Illuminati, and Robert Lang is like, "Oh, it's just you know one of those conspiracy nuts again." And then someone's been watching get, History then, Channel, and then and then Robert Langdon gets a fax because <laughs> he has a fax machine in his bedroom. I guess you need and, that when you've got to do symbology on the go. And <laughs> it, and on the fax, it's just a picture, and it's a picture of a dead body, but the dead body has a word branded across the front of his chest. In the chest, and it says Illuminati, and and then Robert Lang, and then the person calls back. He's like, "Yes, well, I have a plane that's going to pick you up at Logan Airport. Good luck getting there." And so the plane picks him up, but the plane is some super duper thing that goes eleven thousand miles an hour, like literally goes Mach fifteen. Oh no, wait. It was the X thirty four space plane, which, by the way, is a real thing. The X thirty three from Lockheed Martin. is actually a real thing, but is fully, but is a fully remote vehicle. Like you cannot put a person in it. They made a special one for symbology emergencies. <laughs> they must have, which gets to. <laughs> was which, it supposed to like carry? It was something that was like going to carry the space shuttle or something, right? It was like it was it NASA is, developed it. Or it NASA is an experimental space shuttle, actually. Though it's it's it is developed by NASA, except also with a lot of like. CIA and NSA money. Oh, we're already getting into conspiracies. All right. <laughs> and this wasn't even the conspiracy in the book. So This was um, the cool part. He gets to Geneva, Switzerland in one hour. And then the director of CERN, who is a guy in a wheelchair and has all but has all these gadgets, says, I need to I need to show you something. Yes, this is real. <laughs> he listens to cassette tapes on the space plane. <laughs> he does, yes. They had CDs then. <laughs> they even had like mini discs. There were other things that were more advanced than that. Cause he's like, I have this sweet cassette tape from 1986 of Quiet Riot. I'm going to listen. Like, on the space plane, they have a tape deck? That's absurd. Did you also notice that he, they, when, whenever someone was trying to make a cell phone call but it wasn't working, he kept saying, there's no dial tone yes. on my cell phone. It's like, well... <laughs> 
clearly never Dan is. Brown never actually had a cell phone because that's not how they fucking work. It's unbelievable. In 2000, I mean. And that's, a, that's, it's not even like a throwaway line. There are several scenes where they're like, shit, now we have to do something different because I don't have cell service. Because I don't have a dial tone on my cell phone. It doesn't even say cell service. How do I get the operator? Is it possible that he did have cell service the whole time and he just didn't know, so he just fucked up? It just keeps loading snake. <laughs> that is quite possible. So <laughs> then uh, the director of CERN shows him to a, like, you know, private... Oh, first, oh, there's all this fucking stupid wrong information about CERN, which I'll get to in a second. So the director of CERN <laughs> shows him, like, oh, you must see this this thing. So he brings him Who, to a residence. by the way, is residence. like Professor X. He's like a wheelchair-bound genius man, but more curmudgeonly. Much yeah, more. He's got a pager built into his wheelchair. And a and a and, and a, a phone and a microwave oven for <laughs> snacks <laughs> and a and a regular hot toaster too <laughs> and a hardwired Furby <laughs> all cutting edge tech of two thousand and so Maximilian Kohler the director camera phone <laughs> evil director of CERN shows him he goes brings Robert Lang into the residence to a residence and says oh I need to need to show you this and he shows him the body on the floor and I and he says this is uh, Leonardo Vetra, one of our top physicists, and he's dead. And one of his eyes is cut out. That'll be important in a second. And his but head has been turned around. Wouldn't you say he he probably wanted to escape, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm at least part of that. I have a fear for this. And actually applies to many people. And, many people. and maybe some readers if it's called escape. <laughs> this is... Escapist Daydream by Other Half. This is called a pain pillar cocktail, painkiller cocktail inspired Imperial Berliner Weiss. It's full of opiates. 8% alcohol. Does it, it taste like oxy? <laughs> is your throat numb when you drink it? it tastes like pineapple. Do and you have to really like good. grind that beer up and snort it? <laughs> <laughs> is that a Purdue beer? <laughs> Pineapple. You can only get it in West Virginia. No, uh, <laughs> it's um, no, it's delicious. It's really, really good. It's a bit tart. Definitely tastes like almost like peach pineapple, but it doesn't say it has that in here. I don't know how they did it. Anyway, it is. It is very good. We should. I mean, Escapist Daydream is probably what how Dan Brown wrote this book. You know, he had rewritten a couple other books before that were not popular at all. And I think wasn't he like a teacher at some point? His father was a teacher at Phillips Exeter Academy in Exeter, New Hampshire. And I believe he was too, or at least he definitely grew up there and lives there now. This is a job for Wikipedia. Which is the kind of school that the Illuminati would send their kids to. I mean, I do know he actually... like they were real. He tried... uh, Earlier in his life, he had been like a singer-songwriter. I know that. Like a music, really? like yeah, yeah. He was been he had, he put out like a. I mean, he was like a poor man's Rafi. Like he put out an album of like children's songs that went nowhere. Then he put out the some big like, hits. Uh, ring, 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 ring. Plantain phone. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, huh? Not a number of syllables. Uh, I'll never figure it out. Yeah, he 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 joined the National Academy of Songwriters. Uh, he's... <laughs> Yeah, he put out. A, he actually put out an album called "Angels and Demons," though I. That's heavy for a kid's album. <laughs> oh, oh no, that was his like adult themed garbage. Uh-oh. Yeah, he taught. He was an English teacher at Phillips Exeter, and he also taught Spanish at another random school 
in Hampton Falls. Where is that, Nate? Is that also the Shire? No, it's in, it's in Rockingham County. Oh, yeah, it's New Hampshire. Population 2,000. <laughs> so, for the county? 2,200 people, yeah. Okay. No, no, that's one of the for big the ones. That's for the town. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, the, not for the county. For the town, though, totally believable. Well, we should, uh, we should say that these beers brought to us by our, our supporters over at Patreon, who also picked this book. So if you want to support the podcast, you could uh, head over to patreon.com slash drunk guys book club, where you could give us totally tax deductible money uh, to, <laughs> to legally distinct. Operation. It's very, you know, like I was thinking about the other day, like there's like deduction and induction. There's just no duct. I mean, obviously like we like talk a duct, but that's just in a shortening of some sort of other duct word. Like we don't just use the word duct, do we? Well, I mean, like an air vent. Yeah, but like, but that I'm sure like that is a shortened form or something. It's kind of like, mic, like can like you, you could, can you duct something like right? Like is, is, there, is there just duction or something that's ductible besides your money to Patreon? It's kind of like rem, like mit. Like you commit something or remit it or omit it, but you can't just mit it. Conspiracies abound unless you're a Romney. Yes, um, well, that's because it's short for his his given name Mittens because he's named after the family cat probably. Um, so if you want to support the podcast, you can go there and give us money, which is cool. Uh, and in return, you get all sorts of things like early access to episodes, get exclusive content, get to vote in our monthly book poll, even get tangible goods like the Drunk Guys Book Club uh, pint glass I am sipping from right now, which I think is, is why most beers taste they taste a little better. And I almost forgot, uh, patrons of any tier are invited to join us for our quarterly live episode. Plan to discuss an interesting book with us and other listeners for a Patreon-only episode. Our Dianetics episode was a blast, and we are really looking forward to discussing uh, Midnight Sun by Stephanie Meyer in October. Not looking forward to reading it at all. But uh, if you become a patron for as little as one buck by October, we'd love to have you join us there. But most importantly, you get shouted out on the monthly book poll episode. And... Um, it's my turn to read them, which is new. We've we've made Nate read them in the past, <laughs> and it was great. But it got to a point where we felt it was, we should share this, the joy of doing this. So it's my turn to read them, and I've I swear, gentlemen, I've I've stopped looking about a month ago. So I've I've seen a couple of, of interesting names, <laughs> but not all of them. So we'd love to thank Ozzy, not not that one. Uh, maybe maybe. Yeah, Ozzy's into boat podcasts. Jeff. Uh, it's actually my cousin, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, cousin Jeff. <laughs> uh, I want to say it's Yolanda. Sorry if I say your name wrong. Tracy. Here's a new Who's Who could this? Mike Oxtinks. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Mike Oxtinks. Uh, generous patron there. Jennifer. Oh, and here's one of here's Jimmy's friends who are supporters. Thank you. They don't, they've they've taken to a different level. These aren't even names anymore. Uh, <laughs> gentlemen, want to hear a joke? Libertarian. <laughs> <laughs> Always funny. Nice. Yeah. And this one is so long. I have to like open up a larger window. Holy shit. <laughs> he was very proud of this one. I'm Mike. <laughs> And the only thing that can get me to orgasm is the dulcet tone of Ben Shapiro's nasally voice deriding civil rights. <laughs> it's not the only thing, um, but thank you. But it helps. You have hate in your heart, Justin, <laughs> and I feel for you. <laughs> I like this person who's clearly been listening to a lot of episodes. I want to see your feet. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, I want uh, Barry, that's just, that's just a real person. <laughs> Thank you, Barry. Julian, 
My cock and butts. <laughs> Is that German? Uh, it's my cock and butts. I mean, maybe he's from Boston. My yeah. cock and butts. Uh, Brent, Doug, Russell, Tyler, Grace, Catherine, Colton. God damn it. Ivana suck Nate off. <laughs> oh, we're a real fan. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. Thank you, Ivana Seknadoff. The live one's going to be real weird. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> Here's another person who went for a full-on sentence of a name. Uh, a lot of middle, a lot of strange middle names people have been giving their children these days. <laughs> Shakalaka Ding Dong, baby, wear your big thong, which I have had questions about because I saw that in our email. I have so many questions. Is the thong big and the ass regular sized? <laughs> Like, uh, is it is like it big around uh, or is this thong really big? Is it just like regular undies that have become a wedgie and now it's a big thong? I don't know. It's like a front parachute. Steven, Nick, Barry McCockner, two months strong. A lot of burying of cock in there. Uh, Joe, Crab, Michael, Daniel, Amir, Hayden, Mariano, the emotional support burrito and CL. All right, not so bad. I got through them. Those are some those are some choice names. Well done. We Next did have month, uh, one other patron, one of those people with regular names. Uh, she was going to change her name to Mosley Butt Stuff, but uh, it turns out that if you change your name for one it does it patron for thing, it changes it for all others. She didn't want her other things she patrons to see the name Mosley Butt Stuff. If you message us, we could we could figure we can make that work somehow. We'll we'll be all right. They'll just read it as though it's real. Oh yeah, something to know for the future. Because the next time I'll be reading it. Yes, next. Good month luck to me. Jimmy's turn. So I want to see what you do, Justin. You sad, angry man. Uh, so, <laughs> but you know, it's not real. The Illuminati, which oh, is no. what this oh, tell that to Jay Z and Beyonce book is about. <laughs> <laughs> so Robert Langdon, after he's like shown the corpse and and um, with the Illuminati brand branded into the chest. Nate, you listen to this? Yes. Mike, you read it? Yes. The did, you, book. did you notice that the Illuminati brand, there was a big thing about how it's the same front to back, like flipsies. Upside, up, up it's and, upside yeah. down. Symmetrical. You rotate it 180 yeah. degrees and still read it. Did you notice that it doesn't say Illuminati? There's an extra line in there. So it says Illuminati. Well, it's so like a, it's, a, it it's, it's, it's like a... It's, it's like re- a gothic font. It's, yeah, it's like a black letter stuff. So it, but it's that's like very the decorative. only extra line. I'm going to go back and look at it now because I don't know. It's like, it oh, we can't, because they go, the whole thing's like, oh, only ancient mad scientists could have figured out how to make a word go frontsies and backsies. <laughs> That's the technical term for it, yes. <laughs> I read um, it in dead tree format back in the day. And so I uh, remember that there remember were it, pictures, yeah. but yeah, I don't remember the detail. Gothic font um, images. Looking, I mean, they make a big deal about how people have tried compute the greatest computers. Now, great, granted, this was written in like 1999, so the greatest, the greatest computers, computers couldn't do it. The greatest computers <laughs> were not that great. <laughs> I mean, it's just a very decorative second L to make it work. It's out. very decorative. That's it's connected though. Like, I mean, if you ever look at this bizarre calligraphy shit, there, there, it's it's hard to read some of that. I'll, I'll give them that. Though, actually, I found online. Uh, a thing where you could just type in any text you want and it'll make it back and front. So maybe we could work that into the picture for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he, Robert Langdon says, but the Illuminati isn't real. Or, or Robert Langdon says they were real, but there, there's been no activity for 
50 years, and then he goes into this long history of the Bullshit. Illuminati, which is not true, where he goes back all the way to Galileo and saying that famous scientists persecuted by the church like Galileo and were formed the secret society called the Illuminati in order to fight religion and the Catholic church, and they're actually Satanists, but Satanists not in a devil worship, but just in as a we do science, I guess, kind of way. Antagonistic. Just like an anti-religion thing. Yes. And they're just they're, dicks. Like modern-day Satanists. <laughs> and that they actually were able, they, they infiltrated the Catholic Church, which was their great enemy. Even though, you know, Isaac Newton lived in England. Why? And he why wasn't he a care? Catholic. Like, he was... And he was very religious. Anyway, there's so many, it so was many a scam. things. It was a front. Yeah. He was deep, deep, deep cover. Balls deep cover. Must have been. In his virginal life. His code name was Figs. Figs. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Agent Figs. Fig Newtons? Oh, I got it. I got it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so. Wasn't that Danny Glover's name in the Lethal Weapon movies? for something not far. Riggs. Riggs. <laughs> I would like to imagine Isaac Newton getting too old for this shit. <laughs> for math? Damn it, Figs. <laughs> for this alchemy. <laughs> So I will find it, the dimensions of Solomon's temple. Oh, no, I guess Danny Glover was Murtaugh because he did say, damn it, Riggs, all the time. Oh, shit, all right. Well, maybe his partner, you know, Edmund Spencer or whatever, like, other famous British guy from back in the day who said that old, damn it, figs. <laughs> it be dameth, figs. <laughs> I beseech thee. All right. So what happens in the book really, Nate? <laughs> oh, God. So, okay, the Illuminati... Which is important to talk about, and I made sure to like re-look this up before this episode. So, the Illuminati was technically a real sort of secret society that was started in Germany in 1776, but it was Germany, so that year was not at all important. Uh, by started or by this it? guy who had joined the Masons and thought the Masons were bullshit. So he was like, you know what? I'm this is they really have no. Uh, they're really, they have no ambition. So I'm going to really, you know, make a real thing. And there were layers of secrecy and they had a manifesto where they were trying to enlighten the world through some secret bullshit, but they were totally found out within a couple of years and then made illegal. And then all of their papers were published, like confiscated and then published. And, and then they became totally defunct by the year, like 1780 something. Now, and then they were, and then they were gone. Unless that was just the front group. Well, you see, that's the fucking that's... problem with conspiracy <laughs> theories: is that you can always go another layer deep. Like that's what they want you to think. Mm-hmm. Now, even in the 1780s, in 1790s, people, uh, the sort of the story was just sort of so amazing, and so it's almost like almost like clickbait of the 1790s, like. <laughs> These are the anti-vaxxers of the 1790s that, that people started to think that maybe they were real and there were real rumors all across Europe and America that the Illuminati were actually a thing. And in fact, President George Washington believed that the French Revolution was in fact caused by the Illuminati, but they weren't real they, and they aren't real. Anyway, I got all this information from a book about conspiracy theories called, uh, called Suspicious Minds by Robert Rob Brotherton. Anyway, very interesting book, but... His middle name is also Robert? (laughs) 
We we can't go on together with suspicious minds. We can't build our dreams. I'm assuming this is an eighty song. It's an Elvis Presley song. Oh, huh. we're caught in a trap. No, it's Elvis. It's a great <laughs> song. I can't walk around. It's great. It's a great tune. It's from the like '70s Elvis, like Fat Elvis with like the you know beaded suit, I think, and doing karate moves and shit. You know? Yeah, evil can evil off it. Shooting his TV with a thing and. A really annoying thing about this book and uh, the Da Vinci Code is like these are the books that made the Illuminati into in, into a thing, or at least you know joined the zeitgeist of the two thousands, and people started talking about the Illuminati all the time, including like rappers. Well, they did crash that plane in Malaysia or whatever, right? Two two planes in Malaysia. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And yet the whole book, even the whole series is based, is almost based on this like stupid shit that Robert, that um, Dan Brown just made up for the book. But that, and in the end, spoiler, the Illuminati, even in the book, the Illuminati were not real, or at least they were gone in that this was all just a plot by, but people didn't read that far. Anyway, it was just so, so (laughs) dumb. Well, the thing is that he... Dan Brown, he uh, gives a little disclaimer at the start of his book, like he did in the Da Vinci Code, and he does in all of his Robert Langdon books, of like, all of the places listed and all of the things are real. And you're just like, holy shit, this could work. And uh, as we go through the plot over the next six hours, because that's how much book, it takes almost as long to talk about the book as it does to read the book. So you chose wisely uh, to listen to us. Most of the things he says are not true, actually. He gets... Basic, basic details wrong. I mean, uh, occasionally there is something true, and there, it's the kind of thing that most people may have heard of. Like, people have heard of Galileo and that he was, you know, arrested by the church that for saying that the, you know, that the earth wasn't the center of the universe. That is true. All the other stuff, though, isn't, but he puts in just enough real, real facts, I guess you could say, to make it. To make people go, oh, maybe but even it is that, real. He gets something wrong about that too. Like he says, yeah, I thought the church was more complicated they, than that. The church, they tore, they mur- you know, arrested him and ruined his life and basically killed him and did butt stuff and it was terrible. And they never apologized. But actually, wasn't it a big deal when JP two apologized to Galileo? Nineteen ninety four. Yeah, yeah, in the early nineties, before this book was written, like he had actually yeah, mm-hmm. formally apologized. Like we're sorry, that was probably not cool. I mean, it did take them 300 years, but, you know, they eventually did apologize. The church moves slowly. Our bad. I mean, I actually took notes. I guess maybe we should save them all for the end, the gross inaccuracies, or should we say them as they come along? So as they come along, because otherwise they'll lack context. But we should zoom through it, because we haven't even gotten to... Well, oh just one back there's, on there's the so much more. Space so, plane. So I think this one that is, is what I want to say is just indicative of, like, the way... Like, if you look at the... And I said this on the Da Vinci Code episode, I'm pretty confident... Dan Brown wishes he was Robert Langdon. Like, he wants oh, to yeah. be this guy. And oh, yeah. to the point where I remember, even when I first read this book in high school or shortly afterwards, I had a hardcover copy of it that I stole from somewhere. And, like, I'm reading it, and it's like, you know, he's Robert Langdon with his big cock and his tweed jacket. And, you know, it's like describing. <laughs> and then, like, you look at the jacket. You did jack- mention that. It was real explicit. And then you look at his... <laughs> 
it's, it's a conspiracy to hide how big it is. And then you look at... You never know who's going to get one. The, the jacket <laughs> picture of, of fucking uh, Dan Brown. And he's wearing the same outfit. Like like a, the, the you know, neutral color... The Harris tweeds. Neutral color uh, turtleneck and a Harris tweed with elbow patches jacket. And even at one point... It's like, like Carl Sagan of symbology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like they have... Like, like, so he wants to be... Dan, he wants to be Robert Langdon. He wants to be that cool and like that, that you know, kind of like college professor James Bond and just casually like dropping knowledge on people about shit. And there's a scene when they go to the Nerd Academy in Switzerland and there's a post-it on a column and it's like the columns, the, the post-it on the column says, this column is ionic. And he just can't help himself. Even though he's there to like solve a murder, he's like, that's actually not an ionic column because the capital at the top is different. And I just wanted to read this because it's the sort of thing that reading it, you'll be like, wow, huh, smart people. But if you know, if you finished like sixth grade and you paid attention in social studies, you'll know this is not true because that column isn't ionic. Ionic columns are uniform in width. That one's tapered. It's Doric, the Greek counterpart, a common mistake. So two things are wrong there. One, it is not about the width of the column. It's about the capital, which about is the, the design. The yes, it's about what's <laughs> at the design. And they're both fucking Greek columns. <laughs> it's the Greek order of columns. It's the Ionic, Doric, and Corinthian columns that like you learn if you have a teacher who like wanted to be a classics ma- you know, person and never got to do it. And he, he just fucks that up just to show some knowledge he thinks he has, but he doesn't actually possess it. And that's a theme in the book. Doesn't it turn out to be a physics pun, though? It does turn out to be a physics yes. pun, but, but, it, but it's not even because really a pun ions. then. Because it has But it's not even really a pun then, because it's like, that's not even, like, that is the kind of column. Now it's just, like, stupid. It's not as, like, clever a joke as, as you <laughs> thought it was. And you're, but the thing is, Robert Langdon is summoned because he has this superhuman knowledge of art history that's going <laughs> to save the day. <laughs> and he fucking Which, doesn't. And he called his mom on the plane. He's like, I fucking told you this would pay off. The art history thing part didn't even need to happen. More about that later. Okay. So Robert Langdon you- is brought into, brought into the murdered scientist's room or, or like his side room in his apartment. And this, his name is Leonardo Vetra. Definitely named after Leonardo da Vinci. And he's got all this crucifixes and all this like Catholic stuff. And Maximilian Kohler, the, the director of CERN, says he was an ordained priest and physicist. Like, oh, really? And then he says a true You've fact had about it. Diversifying this economy. <laughs> you can't just do one thing these days. <laughs> and then. Poping ain't easy. <laughs> I'm done. Good now. I'm safe. I got. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to sprinkle them throughout the Pope jokes. So it goes into this whole like scientific thing. Well, actually, the director of CERN is like, I don't know what he was working on. I, I don't know what it's beyond. But his daughter is flying back in to CERN as we speak. And then she knows they were working on it together. And then she flies in. They like meet her on the helipad at CERN. And by the way, the, all the fucking stupid shit about CERN, about almost being its own secret society in itself with this like, it, it is entirely yeah. publicly funded, probably. 
and the that the large hadron collider is there it doesn't produce useful inventions that can be licensed like this stupid antimatter nonsense uh, it is there it costs billions of dollars to build the large hadron collider and then pro- and then discover the the higgs the higgs boson but it was higgins before they could find it I I just can't help. Maybe I have like a, a touch of a dyslexia or something. When I see that, I just read it as the large hard-on collider. <laughs> and <laughs> I think I have that DVD. <laughs> that sounds wow. Twenty-six miles. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Around. <laughs> Man, that's a lot. And dick. <laughs> but they do point out that. Uh, well, you know the guy who invented the World Wide Web worked at CERN, which I looked up, and that's true. That Al is Gore true. Works there. That part was true, yeah. <laughs> Al Gore did not work there, but Tim Berners-Lee did was a computer scientist working there and did invent the World Wide Web. That is, in fact, that is a true fact. Um, so, which I would, I would explain right now, but we do not have time. So... The daughter shows up. The daughter shows up, named Victoria, and she is a hot yoga physicist... <laughs> and, and marine biologist all at the same time. Oh yeah. And she comes in and says, "Oh, and and the director of CERN is like, but oh, you need to tell me what it is you are working on cuz I need to know what where cuz I brought in the art historian to try and solve this murder cuz that makes sense." Um and so she explains they go down to their like secret lab, secret locked lab underground that needs a retina scan in order to get in. And she doesn't notice the drops of blood, you know, underneath on the floor. So so they go in and then she explains like, what we've done here is truly the most amazing discovery in the world. My father was able to, he believes that he proved God's existence by creating antimatter. That's what we did here. And we created a quarter of, of a gram or something like that of antimatter. But because antimatter, it has so much energy in it that it, um, anyway, that it basically, it's a bomb, which is it a really important part of the city plot. for weeks. This whole like couple of chapters, the chapters being, you know, like four pages long, a couple of chapters where they're trying to explain the science beso- behind this was so infuriating because <laughs> oh, they God, would yeah. put it just one or two, like, facts that were actually true and then the rest of it was like holy shit no the production of antimatter does not prove god because it doesn't and (laughs) cern can produce antimatter and in fact antimatter i i had heard this and i looked it up today just to make sure so antimatter is all over the place in fact there are there's antimatter in bananas. So that's why they're binding. Bananas they're have <laughs> they're binding. You know, you bananas. <laughs> bananas have a off. lot of potassium and has a lot has a lot of potassium in it. And there is a naturally occurring isotope of potassium called potassium forty. That it, you know, just a few parts per million of potassium in bananas is this radioactive. radioactive version. And the radioactive version, when it when it goes through radioactive decay it will produce a positron, which is the antimatter equivalent of, a, of an electron. 
And so there are literally, which is what the antimatter bomb in the book was made of. It was positrons. You can get that from bananas. So it was a banana bomb. Huge banana bomb. Got it. (laughs) It doesn't prove God. Also, because there is potassium, you have potassium in in, in your body. Some of it, you know, a couple parts per million are also this radioactive version of potassium. And so you actually create antimatter yourself every hour or so. But what about Uncle Matter? <laughs> <laughs> and Family Matters in general. Family Matters, yeah. Oh, you know what? I get it. Antimatter was on Family Matters. Like on, when they got rid of that third kid after a couple seasons, and she oh. just disappeared. That was an annihilation of Family Matters. Illuminati. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Carl Winslow, Illuminati. He was pretending to be an overworked Jay-Z, Chicago cop. Beyonce, Carl Winslow. The, the, the triumvirate. <laughs> Anyway, it was so (laughs) frustrating. This part is like, oh, God. And I'm sure the later parts, which are all about art history, had I known more about art history, I would be just as frustrated. But I don't actually know that much, so I didn't didn't know enough to know what was wrong. I'm sure there's one really pissed off marine biologist out there, too, for the two or three marine biology uh, paragraphs. Oh, totally. Anyway, so you find out that that the scientist was murdered in order to, for someone to steal his, like they cut out his eye to get through the retina scan to get into the laboratory to steal a quarter of a gram of antimatter. And it's in this, in this canister that uses a magnetic field to like hold it, but the battery is going to run out in 14 hours, 18 24, hours, something you have 24 like that. hours. But by the time 20, they get there, they have like yeah. 12 or something. There was one sentence right here in this section that really summed it up perfectly. And it was, there was a bomb counting down somewhere that she was responsible for. And the director had nominated an art teacher to help them find a mythical fraternity of Satanists. (laughs) Yeah, that sums it up. That's the elevator pitch. (laughs) (laughs) Even they know, like, this is stupid. (laughs) Well, yeah, she's a physicist slash marine biologist slash really hot lady. Which yeah, also yoga master. They kept he was like, oh yes, the Buddhist yoga practice. Isn't all yeah, yoga it's Hindu? Not, it's Hindu. It's all it's all Hindu stuff. Yeah, it's bullshit too. But he's into that because you know she's a yoga master and he is a water polo uh, enthusiast because he can only do like the widest sports. He likes to drown um, horses. And he's a big exerciser. <laughs> he does fifty laps a day. Fifty. That's is that a lot? I don't know. I don't really. Swim. Well, if I it's like it's if it's, it's, I don't it's really enormous. exercise, so I have no idea. It's, it's, an, it's an enormous amount for me. <laughs> if it depends on the size of the pool, of course. It's a kiddie uh, pool. If it's an like, Olympic-sized pool, that is a retarded amount of swimming a day. It's a lot of swimming. Like I guess it also depends on like the pace you're going, but that could oh, be. He, he goes as fast as possible. Um. Well, let's see if if it's uh, the, it's the Harvard pool, but in the meantime. Uh, this is Exerciser, and I bought this and um, justified it because it's called Apple Pie in a Can, and I wanted to drink that. This is from St. Ambrose Cellars, and it's a draft-style mead. Ooh, shit. That would be like... So this if is it's Apple a, Pie Mead. Just, it's just it's going to bother the shit of me. If that was an Olympic-sized pool, that's like a mile and a third. That is a lot of swimming. <laughs> Jimmy's, Jimmy's ejaculating all over. Yeah. The screen is yeah. coated. It's like... Uh, Got to get a new computer. Six percent alcohol, impressive because this is fucking magnificent. Like drinking a, like if you were tired of chewing pie, this is the way to do it. 
<laughs> just pie for invalids. <laughs> I ain't got time to chew. That's decadent. Ooh. Yeah, it tastes like uh, tastes like drinking a pie. And it's bubble mead. I feel like that would give me serious heartburn later in the day. Like, like some sort of acid. It would give me fucking like, diabetes, oh. definitely. But I don't know about heartburn. <laughs> So we still haven't really gotten past scene one. Um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, scene two. Scene two of 137. Yeah. If we spent a minute on each chapter, this, this would take would us still be two over hours. two hours. <laughs> so you interspersed with a, a little bit with, the, with the, the stuff from CERN. You get this, you know, this, a security guard. The very racist bad guy. <laughs> oh, God. The secu- a security guard at the Vatican notices that what there's something odd about one of the security cameras that the security camera is not showing its usual location is instead just showing the countdown clock on a random piece of equipment and they don't know where it is dun 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 and on the wireless camera that has infinite battery and can can transmit yes. that data from a fucking cave in the year 2000 yeah Wi-Fi hadn't even been invented yet. <laughs> they have special... Uh, prayer is what... Yeah, <laughs> only, every time you pray, it sends Wi-Fi signals to the Vatican. Only the Illuminati could make that camera work. Mm. Mm, well, they put it there. That's that's it. They... Oh, God. They, so, Maximilian Kohler gets the call from CERN... No, gets the call from the Vatican. I forget how this happens, actually. How is They're it like, that... It says, like, call CERN on it. Like or somehow like his name on the, the Vatican, on the canister. The Vatican calls CERN, and when they he finally like get in touch with him, he's like, "Oh, we found the canister of antimatter." The, anyway, that much antimatter is a huge bomb. It's almost like a small nuclear device sized bomb. Because in the when, Dan Brown verse, so they get the call, <laughs> and then Vittoria and Robert they they get back on the eleven thousand mile per hour airplane and then go to the Vatican, which must take 15 minutes. No, 15 less than seconds. That. Yeah. Oh, also like when she explains about the explosions of antimatter and the matter and it doesn't matter. And she's like, it's going to explode and there's a bajillion photons and shit. So just don't look at it. It's like, this is, a, this is, seriously, she's like, don't look directly at it. It's really bright. Shield your eyes. They don't she have, sets off like a demo bomb. Yeah. They have like a little, you know, for, for, for when field trips come through and stuff. But, they don't have goggles or something. They have no safety equipment in this retina scan locked thing. Like I, I know not to look at it, so I don't really need to follow any safety procedures. It's just well, they, it was a secret that they somehow created antimatter at the Large Hadron Collider. Just the two of them are like, "Hey, everybody else here, look away for a little while. We're going to do a secret thing in this eight mile." Just do more hacky lab. sack out on the quad, scientists. The Large Hadron Collider can create antimatter, but it creates, you know, it, it, the number of positrons it creates are in the tens, not in the, like, quintillions as you would need in order they to let it like, run create this bomb. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't it's like, no one touch it. It's, just, it's running. Just let it defrag. It's defragmented. <laughs> it's just <kidding. laughs> It's 2000. They saw to do that. <laughs> Don't you get a a strong Michael Crichton vibe from the, any of science in this book? I oh, think definitely. the Michael Crichton stuff is at least a little bit more accurate. Well, but at least we, this one has a lady scientist. 
It's true, but yes. he's 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 the he's the Crichton of Concord. Uh, you know, that's that's Dan Brown's <laughs> name. Uh, you pronounced it correctly. I'm oh, so yeah, proud of you. How else would you pronounce it? Concord. The wrong way is Concord. It's not the right way to say it. Say that's that's, that's that was probably a line that, that was in the book at some point when he's like, That plane was fast, almost as fast as the Concord. And they're like, The Concord? And he's like, No, I'm from New Hampshire. It's the <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so then they go to Vatican City in Rome, and then the rest of the book takes place in Rome. And it's so dumb. Okay. <laughs> Someone so, take over. Quick summary. The Pope died two weeks ago, and they're having the, the Pope Pope off, and they're going to... A conclave. The con, conclave, if you're yes, Spanish. <laughs> pope, pope. And uh, pope, they're going to elect pope. the new Pope, and they're going to, you know, that's, yeah, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna Pope it up. So they're going to elect a new Pope, but there's, you know, there's supposed to be an open election, but there's four Popes, four Cardinals that are like the cool cardinals that are going to win, one of them's going to win, but they've gone missing. And so... They're called the Pariti. Uh, a very, very racist stereotype calls in to the Vatican. He's like, hey, uh, I stole all your potentials, <laughs> and I'm going to blow up the Vatican because I hate Catholics. And he's like, do we rape your kid? He's like, what? Never mind. We didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't come out yet. And so they have to figure out where the Pope guys are and they have to work with the vatican city guards the swiss guards the stupidest looking security force in the world they look like willy wonka employees which uh, is also another thing he gets wrong there he's like yes it was designed by uh, michelangelo himself and that's not true <laughs> the, co- the costumes they wear yeah, yeah the, it, it, like, it is clownish like psychedelic barber poles but only like two dudes wear it like I've been, to, I've been to the Vatican, and there's, there's like more than two. There's a couple well, also, outside, and it, they they look like court jesters. But then inside, they're all wearing like you know, kind of like plain clothes police. I mean, not quite plain clothes, but like suit and shirt, and they're like all the like six nine, and <laughs> they're like really tall, and they just. You just like when, when you mill through all the areas, you're not allowed to take pictures of most things, but everybody just fucking ignores that shit. And there's this giant Swiss guys that come around like no pictures and like some sort of like weird accent. And you're like, what? I, where is that from? <laughs> is that is that is that German? Italian German? Yeah. What is that? Like, no pictures. I go okay. Like, Thank you, sir. And then they just they have, they have no joy in their lives because the because secrets they like know. <laughs> Pope zealots. Uh, but he in also, the book, he also they all have sh- spears, but in real life they have they have they're heavily armed. Isn't it like a halberd they hold? They hold uh yeah. they hold some sort of Pope, oh, yeah. Pope Scythe or some shit. The Pope Scythe. That is that is a that's what he calls it. Yeah, he does leader. a lot of reaping. The uh the assassin guy, uh, I, I highlighted a, an interesting text about him because he's just fucking ridiculous. The, the assassin, most, you mean? The, <laughs> the most cartoonishly evil racist stereotype. It you could have been worse. Come up with. I think really? the only way they could have made him more of like an Arab stereotype is if he called everyone my friend, <laughs> <laughs> or if he just did like the Team America style speaking. Durga Durga. Yeah, it was. Like, it was almost there. I'm going to kill you now, my friend. Like that would have been <laughs> hysterical. <laughs> like, that would have, would have required Dan Brown to know anything about the Middle Eastern people. <laughs> come, Babi, uh, Habibi. Uh, we will come now. I will kill you too soon. Like what? He's fucking. All he does is. F- Murder and fuck, <laughs> just slaying ass. Oh yeah, he's, and, uh, and he's just picking up whores. 
because he's an, he's a assassin because his ancestors smoked hash when they did their killing. Which but he doesn't like also, to smoke hash. I think that's also a historical myth. I don't think that's true. You think? I'm sure, it's a myth. I, I, I've heard this story, but I don't think it's I don't think it's actually any factual evidence to support it. That like the original assassins were the hashish eaters. And they were all like basically like brainwashed slaves of some guy, and they like assassins get, also. That well, like basically according to the story, he would they'd get fucking unbelievably baked, and then yeah, that's like the least good way to assassinate someone. <laughs> Hold on, was, and then they'd wake up in his like pleasure garden, and then there'd be like whores there, and they'd like you know have a great party, and then they'd get yeah. baked again, and then he'd be like, "All right, you want to do more of that?" I'm like, "Yes, absolutely!" Like, "All right, go kill this Can guy." You put on some Grateful Dead. <laughs> <laughs> But I had where'd my hacky sack go? <laughs> uh, and then they, they <laughs> does this go, come in tie dye? Say, I need you to go kill this dude. Make sure he sleeps with the fish. He's like fish. Where far out, man? They're playing <laughs> fish uh, with the pH. <laughs> I love fish. He has to Trey. sleep with fish. <laughs> I'd fuck Trey if the I had band, to, but you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't know if that's actually true. Uh, I'm sure that there is some. That's a myth, I think. Wildly tiny version Kernel of truth of in there. Truth like, in they there both somewhere. came from the same place, and one of them smoked hash. Not even a colonel. It's like a, a private of truth. Maybe a sergeant, but it's not a colonel. So well, This guy doesn't adhere to that, because he doesn't smoke hash. He just, he just fucks, fucks prostitutes. <laughs> and, <laughs> because it, women are property where he comes from. But I like this line. He's, An appetite for hedonistic pleasure was something bred into him by his ancestors, his ascendants. His ascendants, not even the right word, right? Like, <laughs> is that the right word? I guess it is. It's the opposite of descendants, but like, no one says that. Ancestors is the fucking yeah, word. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. He just I didn't want to say ancestors that. twice in a row. His ascendants had indulged in hashish, but he preferred a different kind of gratification. Pussy. Uh, but <laughs> it's basically what it is. And uh, side note, uh, uh, Killing and Fucking is the name of my rap uh, mixtape. Uh, because that's what I was thinking of the whole book. He's like, just going around, just kick, slaying ass and slaying cardinals. Guy probably, yeah. guy probably had some bars. <laughs> but we are almost an hour in, and we're like one-tenth into this book. It's, so He was, all, he was 100% into this horse, though. They're, they're working together with the guy who's the Pope's uh, handmaid, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's called the Camer, Camerlenio. Camerlengo, 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 Camerlengo. I, I call different things throughout. I'm going to call him the Carmen San Diego, um, <laughs> and he's like, "We gotta, you gotta let this art history professor uh, go and find these cardinals because he seems useful?" Question mark. I've and seen him like, watch yeah, Jeopardy. He gets most of those questions right. Because there's like a, he says, "I need to get to solve the puzzle because." You know, he's going to kill everybody, but he left a puzzle so you could solve it just in case. Uh, he's going to, he's, I'm going to kill a pope, <clears throat> potential pope, um, once every hour. And then at midnight, the Vatican's going to blow up. Because, uh, but cause I'm, I'm going mean. to kill the popes at a, a specific location each, mm, yes. each hour, which is along the, the the path of illumination, which is something set up by the Illuminati centuries ago, and there are hints about it, and they're all going to be churches in Rome, even though there are a million of them. 
So this is where the symbology comes in. This is where you need an art historian to like possibly guess every... Luckily, he knows everything in Rome. Yeah. He could have specialized Mm -hmm. in like Norse architecture or some shit. Fuck, I'm ruined. (laughs) Wait, wrong word. So he's like, hey, I, I, to solve this, I got to get into the Vatican archives to look at Galileo's books. And the Chevy Camaro was just like, <laughs> okay, I'll let you win this one time, but like, fuck off. And so he goes down there and he's in there with the, the hot lady and they're like, we got to look at some old books. But real nothing fast. is organized real well. But eventually they figure it out because they're both, uh, they both have PhDs and they can figure out how organization works. And he finds a little tiny book and he's like, ah, oh, this is the book. And in the, the book, the dia, Diagramma, there's like a, a poem on one page. By Galileo. By, the, by, the book by is us. by Galileo, but the poem is by like, John um, Milton. Yeah. From England. And, and it's were, in it's like, English. Yes. The because pure they're like, oh, convenient well, for the, a novel written in English. Yeah, because they call it the pure language. Because they're like, oh, it better be in, it's probably in math. That's the purest language. They're like, nope, it's English for plot reasons because which the, is the because, opposite of the purest language because at the time <laughs> and this is another thing he gets fucking totally wrong he's like at the time the catholic church dealt with all sorts of different languages and they had embraced the italians and spanish and french and german but not english bullshit it was still all latin until like 1960 it was, that was just totally I think not like that. true. Even the priests didn't speak English. Because... But they had. But there was. There was like fucking wars fought in England over <laughs> if it should be Catholic or not. It, England was Catholic until the late fifteen, middle fifteen hundreds. So, like, yeah, so like it had. Some just people must being have Catholic known English. at the time this happened. Oh, yeah, it was bullshit. But, but here he, he wants, solves the poem. So he's going to solve this puzzle to get to the puzzle because it's the path of enlightenment or some bullshit. It's, it's, it's the eightfold path to the Illuminati. <laughs> and uh, he's like, we just got to go find all these things and then get there before the dude kills the old kitty touchers and then it'll be fine. That sounds like a fairly simple operation. <laughs> this beer is called, Jimmy, you would have loved this. This is called a fairly simple operation. It is from Sand City Brewing. It is a blueberry golden ale. It's only 5% alcohol, but you can see it is, it looks, it's got the nice bluish, uh, purplish hue. What I love this because of the dumb name or because it's a blueberry golden ale? Because I know you like golden ales. It's kind of like a Belgian style. Oh, okay. I haven't had a lot of golden ones. So this one's, uh, those are often stronger. This one's not super on the Belgian side, but the blueberry is great. I was at Sand City the other day, which is in, fuck if I know where it was in Long Island, Northport, uh, somewhere out there. And I went into the tap room. They had six, you could do a flight and it was five beers and a flight and they had six beers on tap. And so I, was, I avoided this one, and I picked the five IPAs. And that was what I was going to get a flight of. <laughs> and in the middle of pouring one, trying to pour it, the keg kicked. He's like, all right, we're out of that. So you just pick a different one. I was like, what do you mean a different? Like, there's only five now. I guess I'll take that one. And it was actually my favorite of the beers I tried there. It was really, really good. Well, there you go. Uh, it is blueberry, sweet. Um, I like flavored blueberry. If you like that, you would like this kind of beer. So now they're off on the quest, and they take a page of this priceless manuscript, the only copy known to man of this like random Galileo book that the church is just hoarding like fucking Smaug and just not letting people look at. <laughs> <laughs> and Victoria takes it, and he's like, no, don't put the paper there. It's made of... Don't touch it po- with your fingers. 
Yeah. We Put the gloves use a spatula on. to girl cooties on it. <laughs> you haven't swam 50 laps today like me. Uh, so he, they take it and they, they, it has a poem and it's like, let the angels guide your way. And then all this, so they go to Santi's tomb and they think they figure it out. Spoiler, they don't right away. And they have to they convince. They find that it's, it's not Santi's tomb where he's buried, Raphael. So they it's first the think designed. it's the Pantheon in Rome because Raphael Santi oh. is Raphael is buried there. But and so this whole thing, we're gonna send in Victoria, but she's gonna but because she can shoot a gun and because she can pretend to be a she can pretend to be a tourist, but they do this whole thing and looking around and they realize, oh wait. Raphael wasn't actually buried here till the 1700s, so Galileo could not have known about that, nor John Milton. So it must be someplace else. So they actually like, oh shit, it's a different place, and Robert Langdon is able to figure it out within minutes where it was actually supposed to be, but it's actually after eight o'clock already by this time. So when they get yeah, to the no, new there's place, a, there's a convenient uh, docent at the place that says, oh, oh well, yeah, that's only right. one other place it could be is this other the earthly tomb. So yeah, they, he gets clothes. to the the first actual real Illuminati church. That's not real because this book is a f- fucking fiction. Anyway, uh, is it a real it, church? I don't know. Is, it probably is a church called that. But I think I was actually looking up lists of things that are wrong in the book, and a lot of the churches and things are like not really where he says they are, or not exactly laid out the right way. It's not full. Anyway, of they pyramids. get there. <laughs> and the, they 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 get there, and the cardinal is already murdered. He's already dead, but they realize so this was of dirt. This was um, the first stop on the underground illumination railroad. railroad. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, so which means we were right. We were all we were kind of on the right track. Okay, we've got forty-seven minutes to finish where to figure out where the next one is. Okay, let's do this. And then I'll, this is a pretty pretty big chunk of the next. Pretty big part of the book is Most this the next the thing is using the art history clues. And I don't remember where they actually go for each of the four. Uh, it's kind of so dumb, the but they're too late each time. St. Peter's Square that has a breath of wind on it. Yes, the queef. The queefing the queef wall. of St. Peter's queef. And that's <laughs> where the BBC reporter actually... Oh, yeah, that whole... Because he got the tip from the... Hashashin. Oh, yeah. I wrote that down because it's got a great sentence in it. Uh, he, the Hashashin calls them Glick, and he says, you know, go into these places because you're going to find some dead popes. And he's like, when Glick had demanded why the caller was giving him this information, the answer had been as icy as the man's Mideastern accent. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, when I think of Mideast, I think of ice. Yes. Well, <laughs> ISIS, maybe, but it was, yeah. That, also, that, that was... I didn't see the movie of this, but I can't imagine they kept this reporter plot line in there. Uh, the The movie was actually better than the Da Vinci Code movie, but the movie, The Assassin, was just a, a regular guy. He wasn't like a assassin. Because they got rid matter. of the whole, like, uh, they didn't make him a Middle Eastern stereotype. stereotype. Yeah, he's just a just a white guy. And he has not many lines. Well, I mean, he's, in this book, he's just, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't see what's so stereotypical about him, besides he's a assassin, and every once in a while he stops and tries to sell somebody a rug. Uh, <laughs> Can I just uh, point out during this whole process? That. Oh, come on. That's not <laughs> racist. <laughs> <laughs> I 
We're making a joke about how racist the book is. Well, he calls them, and he's like, I'm going to kill one every hour. And the guy's like, how about every hour and 15? He's like, nope. <laughs> no. Nope. Hour. <laughs> Not hour a minute 10. over hour. <laughs> <laughs> Best offer I can make you. Hour five. <laughs> <laughs> but during this whole process, Victoria serves as like a sort of conduit to the reader from Robert Langdon's art textbook. <laughs> and he just will just like randomly say shit and then she's like the who like he, like she's the watson yeah she's but it's just like merely there to have the, the main hotter, character like explain <laughs> say what daughter the uh, but yes yeah. watson but like there's so Same many mustache though she's watson. italian <laughs> there, there's so many things like like she doesn't know and he has to like put things in just to show just to say it's there and I just highlighted a couple that I thought were really funny. Like, how could she not know this as a PhD hot yoga enthusiast, marine biologist? How is she never Italian even? <laughs> like, oh, by the way, yeah. Like, every time they use Italian words, they immediately then translate them into English. They're like, <laughs> "Miscusi," she said, excusing herself. Excuse me. <laughs> like they just they just translated five different ways. But it, um, he's like, "Well, I just you know I realized it must have been Roman you know D I I I is five hundred and three in Roman numerals." And she's like. Don't tell me you're in the Illuminati. He's like, no, that's Roman numerals. That's a, a thing nine-year-olds know. <laughs> and you're a fucking scientist? Or he says, ah, this is another just... Like, he just turns into... Everything turns into, like, an educational children's show with this guy. He's like, it's a damn line of iambic pentameter. Counting this, he said, suddenly, counting the syllables again. Quote, five couplets of alternating stressed and unstressed syllables. Victoria looked lost. Iambic who? <laughs> like, <laughs> really? She's never heard of Shakespeare. She went to, she's a PhD. But even in context, she's like, who is this iambic you speak of? <laughs> like, she can't even <laughs> follow. So it's, it's, just, it's just really frustrating. I, I get the purpose of it, but it's so bad. Like, how, like, I don't trust her to make, I don't, I, I just, I doubted it was actually antimatter that she created. It could have just been like a bunch of melted nickels in a jar, and she couldn't know because she's so stupid. <laughs> it was just bananas. <laughs> yeah, she's just a marine biologist. She's just good at like measuring manatee cum or something. I don't know. And she gets there's a, I want to try to find it, but there's something like a, oh, I won't later much later on with the um the the uh, the Camerlingo who I I just refuse to say because it it's they say it translates as Chamberlain the Camembert lingo. <laughs> But the the Chamberlain, who I just kept calling Wilt in my head the whole time, um, <laughs> he um, he's like, well, when I became a priest and I did this, and I learned this when I served in the military. And she's like, you were in the military? Up until a few years ago, Italy had mandatory military service. She's allegedly really? a, yeah, like two That's years in like the in reserves. It. Yeah, it's like, they were like, like is, we're still going to lose every battle, so we really need to have everybody Helping out. <laughs> well, you need a lot of people in the military, you know, to help prop up their their newfangled submarines with their screen doors. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> but lose a lot of guys that way. <laughs> but the uh, yeah, it's, that was that was all the troops still live with their mothers though. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a thing. In when we were in high school, Jimmy, there was a person who we went to high school with who had dual citizenship with Italy, and he's like, "Yeah, I don't really want to keep it because I have to serve in the military if I want to live there." So that was at least until the early two thousands that was still a thing. So that's how I learned about this. They have since gotten rid of that, but she's like, "How do they shoot guns if their hands are always like this?" Yeah, they're always talking with their hands, <laughs> and the guns are just long discarded <laughs> on the. <side. laughs> 
And she's like, well, you were in the military. How could that be? He's like, because everyone is. She should know that as an Italian. Exactly. Like, how does she not? Like, I could under, like, maybe she didn't really pay attention in the, in the literature classes and she doesn't know what iambic pentameter is. But to not know about a legal requirement of all men in the country you live in? To be like, huh, I didn't even, huh, it's weird. Well, she grew up at CERN. Oh, yes, of course. She, how would she ever have thought of the outside world? Also because it's not her actual father. She was an orphan, and he adopted her. Which is also bullshit. <laughs> the church doesn't let priests adopt children. I mean, it, it, What about theophysicists? Well, they won't anymore. If they technically... Yeah, they're, they're just on the <laughs> band list. <laughs> She's a girl, maybe. They, I don't know. They technically, they ha- there are exceptions, but almost never does that happen. So like, that's just another stupid, stupid plot line. But also, she bonds with the uh, camera Lego about uh, being an orphan because he's also an orphan after his mother blew up. Yeah, in some sort of you know, in a Pomeranian <laughs> terrorist attack. <laughs> so uh, they're looking, at, and, and it just, it just excuse me, I'm looking at one more stupid fucking thing that she does. They're when they're looking for the the Earth guy, Captain Planet, and yeah, they basically they're trying to fight Captain Planet. <laughs> And she's she's been so far flawlessly translating every Italian thing into English for him, and they're like, "Oh, this tapel used to be called Capella della." Uh, I'm not going to pronounce it right. Capella della della Terra, and she's like, "Oh no, I'm sorry, he got it wrong here. He's stupid here. Sorry, not the lady for once." And he's like, "Chapel of the Land? Like you're looking for the fucking Earth thing." <laughs> And you're like, is it the is it the land chapel? And she's like, uh, no, it's chapel of the earth. And he's like, oh, f- oh shit, yeah, wow. I was a minute ago and I forgot it already. I am, I'm just, I'm just, you know, distracted. <laughs> like, how did he not get these? Just to like make it dramatic, like to have an end of a chapter like that. Dan Brown does that consist con- consistently in the book. This was published serially in highlights. <laughs> <laughs> you could have published this serially in. In text messages, like the chapters are so short. <laughs> well, like you can't send them out because you don't have a dial tone on your cell phone. <laughs> oh man, that was that actually was SMS wasn't invented yet. I I think in in you know because they could have just texted the Pope, texted the camera lingo, <laughs> wrong they, place. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> we found him, JK. <laughs> oh, this one's dead. Sad face. Yeah, but so CERN, they go to CERN the, might have had that technology. They probably did. Yes, Tim Berners Lee, he could do it. Uh, he had the one cell phone, and he was waiting for someone else to get one because he was pretty lonely. He is a computer nerd. Okay, so they go to the the they they sort of figure out the second location, but it is also too late. And they go to the third location, and it's also too late. But then Victoria right. gets kidnapped by the Hashashin. Who feels her up? Oh he's yeah, like, totally, yes, my sweet. I will, he's he's going to rape, rape her. you and kill you at the peak of my orgasm, as we do in my land. Yes, yeah, that's the way to portray people of Middle Eastern it descent. Gayat Asada, they called it the ultimate pleasure. But I, I read that that was not is what it's was not the what it translates to. You can say d- what it translates to, but it's not right. He just says, especially in this scene in the church when like. 
he's has like the big fight with Langdon the first time, and he's like they're fighting and like the guy for an like, clearly an incredible assassin. He's outwitted cons- constantly by Robert Langdon, who well, is he, just he plays water polo, which is <laughs> you know basically like gladiatorial arena battles. Just have to be whiter and uh, prissier to do it, and. <laughs> This guy is just like misses him with every bullet at point blank, point blank range. He takes out the head of Vatican security off page, yeah, effortlessly, and then he can't kick a art history professor right in the balls <laughs> once. But he sh- and like Robert Langdon somehow gets shoots him in the foot, or is that later? No, that, yeah, he shoots him in the foot around now. That's the next one. That's the fourth. That's the, that's yeah. the, oh, fourth. the church. The water the fountain. Fountain. But yeah, I like when he's like sh- he's like shouting things in like what I'm assuming is Arabic. And he basically just, just yells, bim, bim, salah, bim. He's just like, Ibn Batuta. <laughs> like, he's like, yeah. shouts nonsense. <laughs> My foot. Oh, no. <laughs> I prayed to algebra over this. <laughs> Prepare to say, salaikum alam to your life. Like, he's just... <laughs> He also it does a lot of Bond villain stuff of just, like, gloating while... Monologuing? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, you came for the woman. Yes, I will come for the woman. Well, how do you say in your land, come in the woman? Like, just this <laughs> nonsense <laughs> like that. <laughs> so with the third location, the third time they fail to rescue the cardinal who gets murdered and branded. Victoria really gets kidnapped, grisly. and then they, Robert Langdon manages to figure out the fourth one, but at this time, the... World has found out because of the BBC reporter that all this stuff is going on, and you got fucked by the BBC. <laughs> uh, and then Maximilian Kohler from CERN calls and says, "I'm I'm flying in. I'm going to come in to help." We've seen random passages of him like snooping around Vetra's room. Oh, yeah. So like you're breaks into his journal. You're like, what's this about? Is he a bad man? Because he seemed not very nice. And he also totally destroyed the integrity of that crime scene by then refused to report it to the authorities. So you're And letting you know, an art historian see it first. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And also we've also been bouncing back and forth between the the hunt and the uh, caramel Iago uh <laughs> Debating whether or not he should uh, break the conclave for the first time in history and get the get the potential popes out of the Vatican before it blows up, but you know they're big on tradition and kid fucking, so they're like maybe we shouldn't do it. But he's gonna like I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna give him a little time. But if it comes down to it, I'm gonna bust in there and get tell them to get the fuck out of the Vatican because it's, it's there's bad boo boos gonna happen if they stay. There's also a, a very minor character who we see occasionally, the other cardinal, Cardinal Mortuary, Mort- whatever his name oh, was. Oh, the the uh, like the the Senate parliamentarian who just knows all the stupid he, he, rules. He's the, he's the whip. Of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a uh, more more totty. But he is. Um, he's, he likes hot totties. Oh, he does. <laughs> like how many more? How many totties? More totties. <laughs> um, he's he's. Almost too old to be Pope. He's 79. Yeah. Not nice. And he no. is uh, another character we see, and he just kind of sits in there and wrings his hands like, ah, where, where is that? I'm making my cardinals. I got to make he's, it a Pope. He's the one that uh, burns the ballots with the right color smoke to let everyone know if there's a Pope or not. Yeah, but this, it's, this is the book where I feel like I kind of learned a lot about the Catholic Church, and 
about you know, you how did, popes actually. are elected. <laughs> but now that I'm reading it again, I'm because re- I read it like when it came out, and now that I'm reading it again, I'm like, oh shit! How much of this isn't true? Probably most of it. There's but the a thing where you burn the different, you burn the ballots with the different colored smoke. I think that's real. That, that is the real. real thing, yeah. I, was, yeah. I when I first read this the first time, it was right around when John Paul II died, uh, and uh, you know it's, it's like Pope Watch two thousand five, you know, and and just <laughs> had people like hanging outside there waiting to see what happened, and so that's that's, that's kind of why I enjoyed the book, I guess, a little bit more. It was like, oh, this is like real, uh, but that part's real because actually, you feel like you kind of enjoy it because you feel like you're learning something at the same time. Exactly, and Though some there, of it is true. But most of it is not. But you don't know what parts of it are true unless you already know what parts of it are true. So as a not particularly good Catholic, I I don't know every element of of dogma, Catholic dogma, but there are some significant things that make no sense in the book. For example, there's a part... You mean in Catholicism? Well, even if we give... If we accept that as it is for the moment, (laughs) uh, in the book, there's a part where... um, you know, another one of these passages where they're just like Robert Langdon's like, or the narrator's waxing poetic about how cool this Vatican room is. And he's like, ah, the Pope's secret library that is only for the Pope. And it has, and it's like 3,000 Garfield texts, comics. And it says, and thousands of periodicals. Like, what is the Pope, is the Pope getting like good housekeeping? Like, what is, what periodicals <laughs> does the Pope want to read? It says, and it also reportedly contains information like, the number of boys you could fuck in a year. I don't know what it was. But, and one of the things was, and the location of the Virgin Mary's tomb. And it just kind of goes away, never comes back. And you're supposed to read like, oh, that sounds like a cool, exotic, hidden, weird thing. Wait, is, isn't that the plot of Da Vinci Code? No, that's, that's Jesus and Mary Magdalene's tomb. Oh, or right. Like that. Okay. Um, it's like the, the, the tomb was not a real thing. It was like she was... The descendant, she was. The, it was the, the Holy Grail, and she That's was the Vinci Grail. Code, yeah, but the yeah. thing is, in the Catholics believe that the Virgin Mary was assumed into heaven. I mean, they assumed he did. No, like it, it's it, it's, a, it's a holy day of obligation. The assumption when she was brought. I mean, it is a huge assumption. Fucking shut the fuck up. <laughs> body and soul into heaven. She has no tomb because her body went also to heaven, not just oh, her soul. Okay. So there is no How tomb convenient. to speak of. Well, but the thing, well, so if in in like the Orthodox Church, there are actually two different places that they think that different sects argue over being the tomb of the Virgin Mary. But Catholics, there is no tomb to speak of. So why would the priest, or the the Pope, have that information if it's not something they believe could even exist? Because the Pope knows it's real. The Pope, the Pope has all the secrets. So, yeah. So, th- so that was like a throwaway line to indicate that, and the Pope knows it's all fake. Did you know that there's a there's like a there was a debate on in the church back in the day about... I don't believe you already. Uh, this is a real thing. I'm, I don't have the details 100% um, because I, I heard this a while ago, but it was too ridiculous to forget. Jesus was Jewish, so when he was a baby... Nobody's perfect, Jimmy. circumcision. So Christ's foreskin oh. still exists maybe somewhere. It's circumcision. And there's a debate the whether or not... Whether or not the foreskin went to heaven with him, and yes, some people say it was the rings of Saturn. Some people say that the foreskin is still in a church somewhere. There's but like that a church got robbed, and they never found the foreskin. And they think that maybe the Vatican was behind stealing the foreskin, so people would stop asking about it about his baby dick. I, I think that there are um, 
multiple churches that claim to have that relic, actually. <laughs> so whose foreskins do they have? They, have? they have way more than four of them, I'll tell you that. Uh, the trading of relics is a, a bizarre thing in Catholic Church history. In the Middle Ages, it just, you know, there were I've enough... got Peter's pinky <laughs> the bone. Finger, the finger bone of Christ. You can own it right now for 100 ducats. Yeah. <laughs> there, were an, there were enough pieces of the true cross to probably, you know, floating around to build a thousand crosses. You know, it's just... Just not. Yeah. It's kind of like the, um, in Half Baked when uh, the guy, uh, Nate, the have, you, of Jerry have you seen this ashes? movie? Have you seen Half Baked? Oh, fuck me. No. <laughs> and the guy, he's like, I bought Jerry Garcia's ashes in a pouch. He's like, who fucking, who told you that? The guy who sold it to me, Barry Garcia. <laughs> it's like, is that, is that supposed to be Jerry Garcia's brother? Actually, it's Andy Garcia's brother. like, <laughs> 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 It's <laughs> a great, great, great movie. Um, that, but that is that was a big thing. It's like buying and selling these things. Like, who says that's that? Th- I don't know. That's the thing. Even the, the church that I went to as a kid had a relic of the church, the pre, the whoever the fuck the church named after. And and I remember asking, like, what's in there? He's like, oh, it's just a thing. It's just a little, <laughs> it's just a little like little vial that we're like, that's that's a that's a. Your toe bone of that guy and you're like really who knows we must have faith i don't believe you yeah that's usually the answer that's always the answer that's that's on the um flow chart of like church questions that's where they <laughs> all end <laughs> the lord or the lord works in mysterious ways so they have three dead cardinals and a partridge in a pear tree and they get to the f- um fourth guy water and and he's like the most badass he has a has a badass moment when the the assassin says, have you prayed yet? But he says it more like, I'm not going to do the accent, but you know, you know the accent he's using. And I see. So he have you prayed? And he goes, only for your soul. Boom. Like that's the end of a chat. It's like the badass priest. The, the Every chapter that, is only like two pages. And anyway, that guy is the water guy. So they brand him and they're going to drown him in a fountain. But this time... Langdon's hanging outside the fountain. He's like, I'm, he's ready to go assassinate the hus- He's going to assassinate him. And, uh, he's going he's gonna to hold him up because he doesn't want to kill him because he needs to know where the antimatter bomb is. And where Victoria is because he, he's really, he's got up, he wants to fuck her. I mean, everyone wants oh, yeah. to fuck her except the priest. Yes. She's too old. Yeah. Too, too female. And um, too many, too many X chromosomes. And he, <laughs> um, they get into like a little fight thing. And the assassin guy manages to somehow still kill the cardinal by kicking his like heavily chained up body into the fountain. And Langdon shoots him in the foot, shoots his toe off. And the guy is like, sheik your booty, that hurts. You know, he says some like stupid <laughs> fake Arab shit, I'm sure. And then he thinks he's going to kill. He thinks he drowns Robert Langdon, but he's actually breathing through a... The- he's sucking on a pipe. <laughs> He is. <laughs> it's, He's sucking on the pipe that makes bubbles, which I don't know how that could you live that way? I don't know. Yeah, also, might, why does the well, why does be fountain have a nothing. bubbler? Wait, why does a bubble? Yeah. What was the bubble question? Why does the fountain have a bubbler at all? Maybe that's like the well, a lot of fountains have that some sort of water. Does feature that fountain it. really have that? Who knows? Well, it has water that sprays, but why does it have a pipe on the bottom that just sprays out air? Uh, oh, for plot devices. Um, <laughs> And I like how even in that scene, he manages to throw some pretentious bullshit in there because he's like, he thinks he's reaching for the gun 
as he's reaching, as a gun got knocked out of his hand, and he just keeps like grabbing handfuls of fucking coins. But he go, he grabs. No one yells, "Make a wish, (laughs) (laughs) motherfucker!" (laughs) But he grabs it and he's like, "Oh no, it's just the pipe that makes the bubbles." Spumante, (laughs) like he still has to like throw that word. Like, yeah, it's 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 Italian sparkling wine. Is that's also spumante? What? Where are you going with this? Um, Also, at some point in this scene, Langdon has to like pay a cab, and he's like, he didn't have any lira. So he overpaid in USD. Oh, that's when he takes the cab to the Church no, he, of Illumination. He oh, does actually right do a, He does actually like have to get a cab at one point and does pay him in dollars. But I'm pretty sure. Him. I'm not sure yet, but like they were in the process of phasing out the lira and phasing in the euro at this time. Uh, 2000, I don't think the euro had quite started yet. I think, well, it was an... He didn't have any euros either because he flew from Boston... Eight hours ago. He didn't even have his goddamn passport. Or underwear. I'm looking it up now. Oh, okay. So in 99, it became a, the official account. It became a accounting currency. But physical euros didn't start till 2002. Okay, fine. So I was wrong. He, he got this one right by accident. By accident. Perhaps, That's yeah. one for Dan Brown. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's able to figure out, after he fails to save the fourth cardinal, he is able to figure out that through symbology that one of the pigeons is in fact (laughs) fake. It's actually made of bronze and that is actually pointing its way to the church of illumination, which is in fact the castle Sant'Angelo in Rome. uh, Cause it points that direction and then it must be in there. And then he's like, Gets a, this is where he steals the car. No, it's not where he steals the car. That's before that. So, and then he like is able to get there, and he does a has a badass fight with the Hashashin and rescues Victoria. But Victoria rescues herself because she uses her yoga powers to get out of her ropes, and then she, and she kicks says, him over a ledge. Houdini knew yoga. That's what she says. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh fuck you. And they, she kicks him out of a window. Houdini was also Italian. He wasn't, was though. Hungarian. He was a Hungarian Jew. Okay, well, Houdini sounds Italian. Yeah, that's because yeah, it, cause it was a time when if you were like, the great Shlomo was not going to be popular in the United States. <laughs> people weren't too hip on the, uh, Outside the of chosen Brooklyn. people. So, but yeah, she just, she saves his ass because the assassin is clearly going to kill Langdon. But like... Yeah, yeah. He's hanging out of a window by like a foot. Well, they're on a balcony. Aren't they? Yeah, and and then he's like slapping his fingers and being a meanie, and then oh. she kicks, she hits him with a blowtorch in the spine, and then they push him over the ledge together, and they don't even say anything cool like "hot back" or something. Look like that. out! Like, that first one's a doozy, like not even like a corny <laughs> one, just or just, no, he lands back. on some cannonballs, but then they don't yell "cannonball." <laughs> <laughs> Man, he really went over the ledge. I don't know, there must be something You're like. It brings him one step closer to the edge, and he's about to break his back. All the bones in his body. I yeah. think I think hybrid theory was out at this year, wasn't it? Uh, about 99. Yeah, I think that was Dan yeah. Brown's top of his listening list was Lincoln Park. He heard that line, hybrid theory. is like, I can make a book around that. You know what? I believe it. But they kill the assassin, and, um, and then they find a, a secret tunnel. In the vat, in in the basement of this church that goes into the Vatican, which the Pope used when he wanted to get his uh, Pope hat touched. 
And of course, Larbert Langdon was like, oh, yes, it's the special tunnel. I forgot what the Il Paseo or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Same shit. I, I could be wrong. I have no idea. And he's, oh, it's one of those. Of course, it's that. And they arrive in literally the Pope's office and the Pope's like outer office. And then, and then they, the, the guards open the secret passage. He's like, what the fuck are you doing there? And Robert Lang is like, is where, where's the camera lingo? Where is he? He's like, he's in his office with Maximilian Kohler. And at this point, Robert Langdon believes that Kohler is the Illuminati is Janus, uh, which means two-faced. And the guy has been, whoever it is, yeah, exactly. I was like, which is the one thing that they never, uh, that Dan Brown never heavy-handedly explains in the book. Because I, knowing who the guy yeah. mm-hmm. Janus is, I was like, ah, oh, yeah. I also, you know, since I knew the ending vaguely, I was like, oh, that's okay. I get it. You know, if you read one Dan Brown book, you've read every Dan Brown book. I have read all but one Dan Brown books. So I believe it. I believe it's true. I could predict that last one. Yeah. But that was the one thing. Like, they never at one point, Robert Langdon never has like a rant just like, ah, yes, Janus, the ancient Roman god of doors and who had to, he never goes into that. We get the word. It's not just like, oh, such symbolism. So they convince convince the Vatican, the, the Swiss guard to like open, open the door. Ferrero Rocher. Oh, let us in. The 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 camera lingo is in danger. So they open it up, there. and there's some like, and the camera lingo has skirmish. been branded with a uh, with a a fifth brand. He didn't know there was a sixth brand, a sixth one that Robert Lang didn't even know existed. And it's and it's just it's the Illuminati diamond, but it's actually well, just it's another Earth, wind, brand. And fire. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a fantasy. That's a <laughs> but he meant he, they, he thought the earth the, the Illuminati diamond was a big physical diamond but it turned out it was it was uh, Neil just diamond. another ambigram <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it was Lou Diamond Phillips actually it was that's <laughs> what it says yeah, so the, the guards like oh, oh, oh my god so the guards jump in and then they shoot Maximilian Kohler like you you're the you're the one who did all this and the camera lingo then pretends that what he says, like, I've, wait, God has spoken to me. I know where the antimatter bomb is. And then he runs down to St. Peter's tomb, which is not fucking real. Nobody knows where St. Peter's tomb is. It's definitely the true. Pope. But it's the rock on which they built the church. Oh, and then he finds it, and, and clearly the antimatter was there on top of St. Peter's tomb. So then, and literally it has minutes left before the battery expires and it all explodes. So the Would camera lingo, the cave where he finds that is a place that is most dank. Probably. It doesn't look well kept up. Dank. I mean, there is a real tomb under there. It's like a second century shrine underneath the, uh, underneath uh, St. Peter's Basilica. This is a beer called most dank from Burley Oak. And it is a IPA that is seven point one percent alcohol, and it is very nice. It is, in I get I get uh, I get tropical fruit flavors from the hops. It is uh, it is a pretty good one, but there is in fact St. Peter's tomb is in fact a real thing underneath there, according to okay. I, I also looked. There this are up on tombs Wikipedia under there, but I doubt that act, the actual real for sure. This is St. Peter's tomb. 
actually exists or anybody knows where that is. But you must have faith. <laughs> I think even the church is like, we. Uh, some pope is like, we can't know for certain, but this is the site where it's supposed to have happened. And there's a body of an old man. He, like they did some sort of, you know, forensic sort of shit. And, you know, what are the odds? Probably him, but it doesn't really matter at all. But he finds the bomb there in the dank. Which they mentioned many times throughout the book. Now, we don't need to look down there. And then just keep ignoring that spot. <laughs> Oops, that's where it was. So the camera lingo grabs the bomb and then carries it upstairs where there's a waiting helicopter. And then it's like, I'm going to jump in the helicopter. Uh, and he's a helicopter pilot. Because he was in the he, military. He refused surprisingly. to shoot a gun. But they don't have like clerics in the military. Like, it's not like a standard thing in the and military. Then, uh, chaplain. Yeah, but Robert Langdon tries to help, and he grabs the the antimatter and says, "Oh, while the while the Camerlingo is like putting a seatbelt on or something like that," and jumps in, and then the Camerlingo is like, "Oh, okay, great," and then he starts the <laughs> helicopter and they fly, and then instead, and Robert goes, Langdon is like, "You but, fly, I'll throw." That's what he says. <laughs> And Robert Langdon is assuming that they're going to try and like throw it into the ocean or something like that. But actually the camera lingo was like, no, we're just going to go straight up. We're just going to, we're just going to go up as high as we can. But this is where you start to where something is weird where the camera lingo goes, you've made the ultimate sacrifice, my friend, because the camera lingo has a parachute. I was like, it wasn't supposed to go this way. Yeah. What's supposed to happen this way? And then, so the camera lingo bails out of the helicopter. Well, it's, you know, thousands of feet in the air and just headed straight up. He just, like, puts it on autopilot because I don't know if that's real. Okay. He puts it on autopilot. It's just going up and then jumps out and leaves the antimatter there. And then Robert Langdon is like, oh, oh, you fucking asshole. (laughs) And then it's like, okay, it's got... 20 seconds left i i better just i better just jump out also and so he does then he grabs the windshield tarp and way back on like page three there was a line where somebody said oh well you can you know increase you know page you know like chapter it's when he's at cern like that he's at cern he sees people doing the indoor skydiving thing and someone says oh well you can reduce your you can increase your Surface area by doing this with your coat, and then the line every goes. Every square yard and is later 20%. that day, Langdon didn't know that that would save his life. Dun dun dun! And as like literally five hundred pages later, <laughs> I, I liked that part again. Like Robert Langdon, it leads a, for a, a guy who's like traveled and studied things. He is incredibly sheltered. He like can't even figure out what's happening in that room. Well, he went to Phillips Exeter, <laughs> and. <laughs> But I like this description of it, when, that scene when he first sees the people in the free-for-all tube, and he goes, Langdon looked on in, amusement, in amazement. One of the free-fallers, an obese woman, <laughs> maneuvered toward the window. I don't know why we need that detail, but it's there. She was being buffeted by the air <laughs> currents, but grinned and flashed Langdon, Langdon the thumbs-up sign. Langdon smiled weakly and returned the gesture, wondering if she knew it was the ancient phallic symbol for masculine virility. The heavy that was the one line I remembered from this book years later. The heavy-set woman, Langton noticed, was the only one wearing what appeared to be a miniature parachute. So she's so fat 
that in the wind tunnel, she she needs to like control the currents around her heft. And that's a detail we needed to like. Dan Brown is trying to <laughs> foreshadow so hard right here. Oh, he's foreshadowing as hard it's like as a he five can. shadow. So fucking hard. <laughs> it's five shadow. <laughs> so Langdon <laughs> finds a tarp and jumps out and uses that as kind of a parachute and happened to. And because he's a diver slash water polo player, when he lands in the, the raging river, he doesn't actually completely die. He doesn't, doesn't explode. That was another thing that he uh, they, they foreshadowed actually early on was like even from this height he could tell like early on in the book when they're flying over Italy or whatever in they like, get Mach fifteen I think I don't know because even at this height he could tell it was a deep river <laughs> which it's actually not a particularly deep river but <laughs> he he noticed it and he lives and he washes up on some sort of little island which I think is a hospital it was like a plague hospital at some point and they're like yeah. it's a miracle and he's like I have to go. Give me some pants. And the nurse... Like, no, tissues no. are in your pocket. It's because the nurse is like, oh, and this like camera thing keeps playing this video. And it was actually the, the video that... Oh, we skipped that whole thing, didn't we? Yeah, like, that, they, they, the, yeah. that Maximilian Kohler, the director of CERN, had recorded the conversation he had with the camera lingo, where the camera lingo actually brands himself. Meanwhile, this camcorder thing from the year 1999 had dropped out of a helicopter in Langdon's pocket into the river and somehow didn't break. I think anyone the, anyone the, the who's was broken. Anyone who's dropped their iPhone in a toilet will know that how well <laughs> that, that's going to go in real they, life. They've had it sitting in a, a bowl of rice for several minutes, so it's fine now. <laughs> it's a bowl of risotto because they're in Italy. It's, <laughs> it's actually more effective. This never works. <laughs> <laughs> and Langdon realizes what's on the camera, what the, what's recorded, and so he is like, "Give me some pants." And then he goes <laughs> back to the Vatican and finds a and finds a VCR to play it in. <laughs> Meanwhile, like, what format was this video in? It's not on a VHS. Like, they didn't. They ha- cut out the whole scene about like, do you guys have an aux cable? Put it uh, on channel three. A- <laughs> is it on <laughs> channel? Yeah, put it on channel three. <laughs> And so he plays Input the video. <laughs> they let him into first. He finds Vittoria, who was so heartbroken because she thought he was dead. Uh, and then he plays it in the Sistine Chapel to the College of Cardinals. Yeah, to the College of Cardinals, and it, it clearly shows that the Camerlingo, in fact, set up this whole thing, and that the Illuminati threat isn't real. The Camerlingo did it. He's guilty. And also, we f- we forgot that uh, the assassin said someone killed the Pope. He didn't die of a stroke. He told the so news guy like, that. Look at his body, and he's oh, he's been poisoned with uh, heparin, his blood pressure medication. Oh no! And who could get the Pope but the Illuminati and or he- the camshaft logarithm? <laughs> they had told they had told like the Gunther Glick reporter extraordinaire who had previously worked for, like, the equivalent of the National Enquirer. Like, he had worked for some bullshit, you know, tabloid. Yeah. And it's and then now he has true information. It's as if Dan Brown is saying, some of the shit you read in those tabloids are real. Like Bad Boy? Bad Boy. I mean, obviously Bad Boy. That's a given. Yeah. Yeah, that's a legit one. So Dan Brown, I mean, uh, Robert Langdon, 
the cooler Dan Brown actually shows the <laughs> card College of Cardinals the video, and they realize everyone realizes that oh, this was fake, and there's this whole stuff about how um, oh the, my god, the first first out. the Camerlingo did it because the Pope told him I have a son, which you're not supposed to do because you're supposed to be celibate when you're a priest. Supposed to. Sometimes they misinterpret that to as to celebrate. (laughs) (laughs) Celebrating with this young boy. Uh, And so the camera lingo is like, oh, and then he reveals that he, this was his whole plan and that he did it. He set it all up in like the matter of days when the scientist back from chapter three, uh, Leonardo Fetra, had a meeting with the Pope where, where the guy said, oh, I've proved God existence, even though he didn't. But then, and the Which camera is lingo a thing that will happen organized in this whole Dan thing. Book, doesn't explain how he recruited the Hassassin, but whatever. And then, on Craigslist. and then one of the uh, other the cardinals, the ad. devil's advocate, who has to do the oh, background fuck. investigation, which I'm sure is not real. But that's d- there is that's a hundred percent false. The, oh yeah, I, that was obvious. But like, so there is such a thing that was called the devil's advocate, and the devil's advocate was the person when you were seeking to canonize somebody or make them into a saint. There would be a person who was supposed to like criticize the evidence or to you know make it like so you had to really prove it, right? You know, because to become a saint, you need to have like three miracles, and you need to. You know, lately that that standard has gotten really low, but it used to be you had to like prove it, and it was still kind of silly. But there was a person who would be assigned, you know, essentially like a defense or I don't know, a prosecutor or some sort of role like that. Like you have to prove your case, and this person would be opposite side of that uh, that relationship, which it still sort of exists, but it's been kind of revised in the last thirty or forty years. But it has absolutely nothing to do with becoming the Pope. In fact, most of the book has explained how you become the Pope, and it's through, con- you know, Parliament. <laughs> it has nothing to do. Like, how come they never mentioned this devil's advocate position for the proferiti or whatever the fuck they were called? You know, no. like it does. It's it's a it's totally incorrect. That is not what it is, and he yep. just makes it up for this part absolutely. because it's convenient. But this other cardinal says, oh, I had to investigate that. I had to do the background checks. And the background check said that, yes, the Pope did have a son, but it's not because he had sex. It's because he's still a virgin. It's because it was artificial insemination, because he fell in love with a nun. And he got none of it. And and, and his son is you. And so the Camerlingo didn't know that. The camera was like, oh, no. And so then he goes and kills himself. But can I, in this scene, though, there is a, a couple of lines where the other cardinals are like, oh, my God, is this real? And they're debating about whether to, like, realizing, oh, this is all fake. It wasn't, the Illuminati's not real. This, the camera lingo did all this. And, like, do we tell the rest of the world? And the other cardinals are like, maybe we don't. Yeah. This will totally, this will completely destroy the world's faith in the Catholic Church. And those lines, like, wow, that is really not going to go well in about four years. <laughs> like, really, like Dan Brown pretty much wrote, like, the case. This or the Boston the Globe. Actual secrets the Catholic Church was keeping 
at the time for real. Anyway, I'm assuming he's Catholic because there's so much Catholic stuff. I don't. I could he be wrong. isn't. I don't. I don't think he is. Actually, I looked him up. I think he, he was. He, I could be wrong about that. Is anyway, they have Catholics up in New Hampshire. I don't know what he is, but uh, there are some. Yes, you guys. A lot of guys burn crosses on their lawns. Um, now I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure he's not. Uh, I think he said he was. He was raised Episcopalian. I remember reading that somewhere. Isn't that Catholic light? It's I. It's I can't believe it's not yeah. Catholic. Um, <laughs> It's, so, it's, it's the margarine version of Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> we also uh, we skipped the whole part where uh, the the bicameral legislature guy <laughs> brought in the brought in the cameras and said, "We're gonna get the get the cardinals out of here because you know we're under attack." And his whole, he gave this whole spiel about like he did the his big John Galt speech. Yeah, basically he galts all over everybody's face, oh, yeah. and they're like, "Wow, he'd be really good at." poping if he was old enough and poping ain't um, easy so it'd be but it's really necessary there. um so do, we, do we do a it's hard out here for a pope joke yet i can't remember which ones we, which ones i did and which ones i thought he's he's big poping yeah pope juice b-l-a-c-k outfit you can't wear plaid it's oh it's not it's not what popes wear i'm looking up pimps maybe a scottish pope but he has a whole speech and then because he's really pissed off that the uh the Pope had a baby. He didn't know it was him. And because he's like a hardcore zealot for Catholicism. And he had planned and so he's like, this, this Pope besmirched it. And he had planned this whole thing, including the murder, to, uh, inclu- to, to plan this whole thing with the Illuminati and the murders and the antimatter in order the to... the were too liberal. In order to create, like, in order to have a big spectacle for the world to to see and create an enemy of the church that everyone could go, oh, no, and feel bad for the church, I guess, and then have the, the camera lingo, you know, save the day with the antimatter and this dramatic thing in order to, uh, you know, have people, convince people of faith again. But it was all fake. You know, and I, he completely ignored that suicide is like a super bad sin in Catholicism. It is, but martyrdom isn't. And uh, but you, you have know, to have someone else kill you to be a martyr. Yeah, isn't but it? you could. I mean, you could squint at it, and uh, you could find some way. That, uh, that wasn't. <laughs> See, like really covers himself in gasoline or the, the uh, whale the, oil, the, whatever the, they use. It was the butane that they use in the. You know, it was the butane, uh, uh, propane. That was the, the gas they use in the uh, the candles that they mentioned earlier. And one guy says, "Smells like heaven, burns like hell." Like, oh, all right, this is going to come back. That's nobody talks like that. Hank Hill, Cardinal, Texas. I, you know, I, I do think in his speech, he did have, he did make a couple of points that I was, I was kind of sympathetic towards where he said like religion was like the sort of the guide and the science has focused humanity. It has, which is true. Uh, but also like religion had been like the sort of focal point of life and it had kind of like guided your decision making and your, you know, it, it just kind of gave a, a framework for how to live a life. And without it, People have like looked for something else, and I think that there is something to that. I think you know we don't get into too heavy of a conversation, but like there's something to that. Like religion was this thing that was part of all human existence until like five seconds ago, and it is interesting to see how not having that, people still like want to replace it with something. Like people want to have some sort of guiding set of principles, and they're not. We're we're you know we're not very good at picking a religion. We're also not very good at picking any other set of guiding principles. I would think. Um, so that part was interesting, but then everything else was just like a bunch of bullshit. He's like, and what you, 
your microwave ovens have made us weak from the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) All that stuff was bullshit. When you can make a Pop-Tart this quickly, it besmirches the nature of belief. (laughs) Only only Satan could make a delicious s'mores Pop-Tart so effortlessly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But... So then he he like lights himself on fire, and everyone's like, "That's a miracle!" Because they know nobody knows what those are anymore. And Mor- uh, Moriarty, the uh, cardinal, he scoops up the ashes because the guy burns so much that he turns into a pile of dust. It's sun butane. It's 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 really it's really intense. It's like grade A, grade A oil, and it doesn't he, ruin the balcony he's on though. Well, it's all like marble and shit. And uh, he scoops it up, and he's like, good thing I had this extra urn sitting around. And he takes it, and he puts it in the Pope's tomb. He's like, father and son should be together. That's a spicy meatball. And then he... Even though he's the one who killed his own father. Yeah, it's like, they could work it out in heaven, I guess. You must have faith. And so then he just <laughs> leaves that there. And then he becomes the Pope. Yeah, they vote for him in like a surprise election. They're like, we have decided we will vote for you not that surprising because everybody else is dead yeah they they were all just voting for themselves in the previous rounds well that was to stall and then we cut so then they get to one more shot outside st peter's basilica where gunther glick and we never mentioned her like chanita fuck i forget her washington i think she has like a kind of like banana it's it's like it's like she's a, a black woman from the south of the united states who's working as a reporter in you know, she's the video BBC for some reason. And, um, she, she and that guy had them, you know, they had their own little bit of adventure that doesn't matter at all. They're filming like their last little, little blurb, you know, it's like, and so it has been an exciting day here at St. Peter's Basilica where not many kids were touched, but our hearts were, you know, whatever, so some <laughs> shit. And then <laughs> well, kids were probably touched too. Probably there. Yeah. And their hearts were, it's, that was the buffet. That's before, how you yeah. reach their hearts, but <laughs> oh god! So they're small. It's not so. Um, this <laughs> this stupid thing, and then they bring. We'll out, stop making jokes when the Catholic Church takes it seriously. I, yeah, that's, I think that's a fair a fair line. And then some other random professor guy is like, "Well, did you know that technically they elected two popes yesterday?" <laughs> it's like, oh man. A double pope. It's like an extra Dan Brown layer just thrown in here at the very end. Just one last floater of a turd in this book here. <laughs> and then the final scene oh, is great. The, the hotel room with Robert Langdon and Victoria. Well, they have double beds. So they're not. In the, they, they've, they've, they're just. They're just catching some Z's at first. It was Until, a long day. Yeah, and, and, and it, a fistful of risotto. <laughs> And then <laughs> he's like, "Oh, it's hot." <laughs> and then uh, they get the, they, the, the there's a knock on the hotel room door, and it's the, one of the Swiss guard. And he says, "Here you have here, Robert Langdon. You have been given the only copy of Galileo's book, but no, you already you already re- oh the page hey, that's the right. It wasn't the book, right? It was no, the he gives brand. Him the, uh, he gives him the brand that the the." Yes, have fun oh, with I remember. Diego I thought it was going to be the book, and then I, and then yeah, it me too, wasn't. Actually. It was the brand. Yeah, because that would have been useful. Instead, he gives him the brand. He's like, "Well, thanks. It's got like priest meat all over it. Uh, what am I supposed to do with this thing? Whatever." It's like just give it back when you're dead. I'm, like, I'm not going to give this back when I'm dead. Fuck you. And then Vittoria 
comes out of the shower in a, you know, in a robe and the lines are like, you know, in cheer, you know, with that accentuated her, her figure. And then she says, are you ready for your reward? Yeah. Robert. And, and he's like, um, uh, she goes, I just just had the risotto. (laughs) It's room service. So I ordered everything on the menu and I'm like, you fucking bastard. Dan Brown. So much stuff. First of all, you maniac, you couldn't just like leave that. Just couldn't just have one more twist. And then, and then a bunch of dad jokes first. And then she ordered everything on the menu, everything they had. And then the final line is like, "Oh no, now now so. we're gonna fuck." And then she says something like, "You've never had a." <laughs> this is especially that you've never had a truly religious experience, and then a moment of glorious rapture. Yeah, uh, and it's like, "Oh well, you've you've never had sex with a yoga teacher." Period. The end. And that's the end of the book. But before. I mean, I thought that was kind of funny. Like, it's, it seems very, like, James Bondish at the end. You know, like... It is very James Bond. Oh, and he's like, like... I'm just remembering... Uh, was it The hey, World Is Not Enough? Die Another Day. Was it the one with Christmas Jones? That's what I'm trying to remember. Yeah. When he's like, I thought Christmas only came once a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're yeah. not even subtle. It's like, no, just, not at all. Um, but... When you're a kid, you're like, what? And then no one explains <laughs> it to you. <laughs> Nate, you had that experience, but I think it was the Goldfinger when that happened. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to Goldfinger you. And she's like, oh, all right. <laughs> That's how it ends. But before they do it, I, I just thought it was funny that they specifically, explicitly eat all of the food. <laughs> so it says, it says, when all of the food was eaten, <laughs> they retire to the edge of the bed and then they, then gets to the corny sex line. So there's nothing that's going to get to some high-quality boning like having a full fucking stomach of risotto and cannoli and shit. Dude, it's <laughs> the full menu is an overwhelming amount of food. He's just like, oh, I had too many croque monsieurs. Oh, God, it's fucking bad. They just, they just have fucking... <laughs> Don't touch me. Horrendous wind. <laughs> Luckily, these robes aren't mine because I am misting all over them. I shouldn't have asked for that extra basket of bread. It's really bloating. It would look bigger if I wasn't so bloated right now. <laughs> I shouldn't have gotten those unlimited breadsticks. <laughs> Why'd you order the? Would you have? We went family style on this, so it's just so stupid. <laughs> I just, I just trying to think of him like tired. How many cars did it take to bring that up? Yeah, they just have like a team, a team of Italian <laughs> bellhops just shoveling in things. And the second, oh, oh, yes, and the squid ink pasta. Yes, I'll take that over here. <laughs> Everything in this room is white. Be careful with that. Oh, my God. It just must have been, they must have had horrendous gas. And <laughs> I just wish they added one more line. He just said, Mamma Mia, and it ended there. <laughs> <laughs> if he had done that, I think I would have forgiven every other issue with the book. <laughs> like, you know what? I'll give that to you, Dan. He does like a little chef's kiss at the end. There with the, <laughs> oh, she took off her robe. Those are. So, um, I just just I just remembered one more really bad historical inaccurate thing that I don't know if you, Nate. I, I'm surprised you didn't notice this, or maybe you did. We just, you just, you're more willing to stay on track than I am. When they go to the water place, the and fountain, the fountain. It's the fountain of the four rivers. And he says, um, 
You know, this was designed by... It's Bern- funny, because at the end, he orders the pizza of the four cheeses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God damn it. That's good. That's good. Have um, the Fountain of the Four Rivers, and it's like, oh, of course, yes, the Four Rivers. Bernini sculpted this himself to celebrate the four old world rivers uh, of, you know, the Nile. Oh, and one of them was the Ganges. Well, the Ganges, but one of them's the Rio Plata. Like, it's in the New World. It's not even in the Old World. <laughs> Is that one in South America? Yes, it's in Argentina and, like, Uruguay, probably. I don't know. But it's, and they would not have given a shit about the Ganges either. Well, in it Italy? does. It does. The thing is, it does represent the Ganges because it represents the four rivers on the four continents where the church had, you know, a foothold. So... Uh. They needed an Asian river, a European river, an African river, and a South American river. So it's like the Nile, the Tiber, probably, the Rio Plata, and the Ganges. Because they didn't really get into China yet, so they didn't know about those other ones. Yangtze? And the the Yangtze and the uh, Huangho. That's the yellow, right? So, sure, I don't know. I'm not talking about your mother right now. Uh, but the... Um, <laughs> but, like, he... If he had just said it's the four rivers and just like named them, like, like whatever, cool. But then he says the four old world rivers. And it's like those aren't all old world. That is an incredibly dumb mistake to make. And how did like who fucking edited this book? Like who Dan Brown. Yes, <laughs> I guess that's right, yeah. <laughs> Dan Oh and Gray. The, and and the other dumb thing. It's like, oh, it has secret information, like the 14 unpublished books of the Bible known as the Apocrypha. The Apocrypha is widely published. Apocrypha are just the books that the Catholic Church decided weren't divinely inspired. There's dozens of other things that could be in yeah, the Yeah, a lot Bible. of these weren't actual conspiracies or like secrets. Yeah, it's just... They're just like things we know about, but it's just, it, we, I guess, we things that are public, but we don't know about because we don't give a shit. But it's and one of those things that you've maybe heard about, but you don't really know what it is. So when he just puts the name in, in the book, it's like, oh, is that what that is? It's the equivalent of a tweet where he's like, why aren't people talking about this? Why isn't the media covering this? And then there are articles from all those media sites about it, but they just haven't really checked. Right. Well, he, just, he likes to just throw them in. And the last one I'll say that I thought was really stupid, because he comes up several times with the reporters um, that they're like, oh, you're going to go to hell for making that joke about dead priests and whatever. And like, well, at least I'll have my Pulitzer. And like, oh, yeah, well, she's going to go, I'm going to go win a Pulitzer for this. They the work BBC, for the BBC. The, yep. You can't get a Pulitzer for that. <laughs> <laughs> nope. It's an American award. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about when he uh, has to explain what the Illuminati, uh, the Illuminati are to Kohler, who's a genius. It's like the most famous conspiracy theory of all time. It's like, the Illumo what? And he knew enough to Google Robert Langdon or like ask Jeeves because it's 1999. And Yeah, he had to like Netscape navigate that shit. And, and or CERN it because they made the internet. I don't know. And then he's like, you are, the, you are a person that will know this, I am sure. You don't even know what the this, the, the this is in this case. To ask him real questions. He's like, I'm just hoping you'll solve all my problems right now. Yeah, how did he know the Illuminati required an art historian if he didn't know what they were? 
Imagine, He's like, it's a it's an intricate design. I better call an art history professor. Imagine all the other professors he called first that were busy. It was, <laughs> just, it was still 5 a.m. On the East Coast, <laughs> it's even earlier on the West Coast. Uh, another, so a big plot hole in the book, even though this is like half, half the plot like of the plot book. cavern. So <laughs> it was actually the Camerlingo that planned this whole like thing with the path of the Illuminati. Like, why did he, why did, even if the path of illumination was real, which it is not, but even if that was real in this universe, why did he bother killing the four cardinals at these four locations that can be figured out? Why didn't he just like, dude, just like dump them anywhere? Doesn't matter. Why? Just, he had them in a cage that nobody knew where they were. Just, just keep them in there. Yeah. No one's going to find them. And, and dump them in random locations rather than this thing that we could let an art historian figure out. There's no need for that because nobody I mean, I, I guess, in, else would have known about it. Anyway, just... I, I, I guess the I could argue... It's stupid as fuck, of course, but I could argue that he his point was that the church was under attack from science and the Illuminati are evil scientists and he hired a guy to do it and given instructions, and he did not himself bring in the world's best art historian. He's like, oh, fuck, this guy's here. Because if it had been left up to anyone else, no one else would have figured it out. Unfortunately, they called the one guy who knows art real good. So he would have gotten away with it if uh, Max hadn't called Robert. It's still stupid. It weren't for those meddling kids. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) These damn meddling art history professors... Sounds. Also, not a lot of these are, were symbols. No, there really wasn't much symbology. It was more just like, it required what direction is that art. statue pointing? <laughs> yeah, really like, it's like architecture, history, and, and sculpture. And he happened to know the different pieces of art that were at the different locations. But that's not symbology, at least the way it's going to come up in the Da Vinci Code, where it's like, oh, yeah, that symbol like means that. that this is the, the, the symbol of the feminine and blah, blah, blah. There's a little bit when he's like, oh, yes, the Illuminati. And he just kind of like rambles off a list of symbols that are quote-unquote Illuminati symbols, like pyramids, an ellipse, an elliptical shape, the number five, the, the on number the two, on the, on the money. and the eye of you know, Horus, sort of like that is. How the vice president was a an Illuminatus, and he convinced FDR to put their symbols on money. Because he convinced him if we do this, we could, we could, we could pass more work projects. <laughs> What yeah. nonsense he had there. We need a new deal slash world <laughs> order. Well, that's what he said. He said it translates us to the new deal. It's like, it, it, no, it doesn't. It translates yeah, to- like I, can't, I believe FDR would have understood. Like, I'm sure. he probably didn't speak Latin, but he's like, no, it doesn't. I'm I, looking right at it. I dude. bet he took Latin. That guy's yeah. from a fucking rich family. Went to some fancy prep schools. I'm sure he at least he might not have known much. He knew it was three words. <laughs> <laughs> What's the third word? That's nothing. That's just Latin has a third word for end of sentence. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have periods yet. It was very, very inconvenient. What, what, is this the Novo Order of Seclorum? Is that what the phrase we're talking about? Some shit like that, yeah. I mean, I think it's Novus Ordo Seclorum, yeah. New Order of the Ages. It's way more words. <laughs> than New Deal. Nobody has time for that. I have a fireside chat to get to. <laughs> Walk it off, Prez. Uh, so, <laughs> um, all of the <laughs> all of the facts aside, 
all which the is, facts were tossed heavily aside. Which it's hard to separate. What did you think of the book? I actually thought it was pretty brilliantly put together. Brilliantly put together trash, but <laughs> oh, it yeah. was like... That's 100% right. In terms of like, I am going to do all the tricks to write a thriller. I'm just going to go all the way and do a thriller novel. I'm not even... Tr- I'm not trying to write literary fiction. I'm not trying to write quality. I am just going to completely just do all the things... And he creatively put in mostly false things with stuff about art history. It makes you feel like you're actually learning something, even though you're not. It, and there's a, a million little details that do actually connect. It was pretty brilliantly done trash. Yeah, I, I, I actually agree. Like, I have two minds of the book. Like, I'm like the academic history nerd is like, this is garbage. And it is, if from the angle of him pretending it to be history and real. But in terms of it being a thriller, thrillers are all by definition trash. So this is really different. <laughs> and it's it's and you know what? It is very readable. It is fun and and I remember liking it in whatever 2005 or whenever I first read this book. Thinking like, "Oh, cool. I'm like learning shit. This is interesting." This is stuff that like I don't know about. I'm now I want to go find out more about it. So there's a potentially like positive. As, as Nate has already identified the negative ramifications of these books of it convincing people that they're ridiculous conspiracy theories and all this shit. But it also could get people to be more interested in history and get more interested in art and look into these things a little bit more. I think unfortunately that I is, think the I, bad part is that it convinced a lot of people that Illuminati were real. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm trying to trying to say there, but you know, it, it it gets if if it gets people to be more interested in the history of various things, I don't see that as a bad thing. I think the reality is that is for every one person who you know, like me, was like, "This is cool. I'm going to go read some more stuff about the Freemasons or whatever, and find out what that shit was about." And then you're like, "Oh, it's actually not that interesting." <laughs> but you, you, a bunch of weird rich nerds. It's a bunch of herb. I mean, there's like Freemason lodges in like not very rich areas, so it's not even just. They're like a Knights of Columbus now. It's just like a bunch of old guys sitting around drinking uh, PBRs. But um, for every one person who's like, I'll go look into this, there's 99 people who are like, oh my God, that's real. They control everything. They're turning the frogs gay. <laughs> it, just turns into, it, just, it just goes there, which is, you know, that's a problem. But that's not his fault. You know, like I'm sure they're... No, no but he is exploiting it. He's exploiting the conspiracy theory thing that there is out there. A, a thousand other authors since him have tried to do this too. And I've read a couple of those books over the years, like other shitty, like, oh, the Knights Templar, or, like kidnapped this president's daughter kind of books or whatever. <laughs> you know, that's that kind of cr- trash. People dig it. You know, it's, it's, there are so many, uh, like, all thrillers have a lot of just, nonsensical stuff like that and is it really that different in the sense of like the 80s tom clancy kind of thrillers where like oh the soviets are everywhere and they're hiding and they're stealing your shit and they're fucking your neighbor's a spy kind of books which are like that's not really true either the catholic church instead of about the navy right but like is that really that different in terms of like conspiracy theory of like putting out like taking advantage of like a little glimmer of potential 
truth and then building a whole bunch I don't I don't think it really is. No, it's it's not worse. No, it's a it's a cheap thriller. It's you know, it requires a, a good deal of special disbelief. It's entertaining. It, is it well written? No. No. Is it entertaining? Yeah. Yeah. I knew the ending from the beginning this time. I mean, I didn't remember all the details, but I certainly remembered a lot of it. Uh, you knew that Carlton Leg Warmers was the bad guy. <laughs> I knew that, <laughs> and I remembered a couple of passages. I remember, like, I remembered all the shit about the brands and like some of the some of the really corny dialogue, and and I still enjoyed it. It was a, it was a fast six hundred pages compared to like fucking Crime and Punishment. Yeah, you know that's definitely it's, it's fast. It's it's definitely like a middle school reading level. Yeah, it's not very well written, and there's tons of bad writing that you could identify in it. You know, I, one of my one of my favorite people is uh, Stephen Fry, and uh, he said it about the Da Vinci Code, which I think you could apply to the writing of this too. Uh, it's the same book. Uh, oh yeah, totally. Actually, I want to get the I want to get the exact wording right because I thought it was really funny. Uh, he said it's complete loose stool water. It's <laughs> arse gravy of the worst kind. <laughs> and in terms of the writing. Yeah, no one is going to say that this is well-written. No one's saying it's literary. But in terms of being a page-turner in a book that a fucking billion people bought, it's an entertaining read. It's top-notch schlock. Yeah. And sometimes... I don't think he thinks it's anything more than that. He doesn't think this is, like, high art, I imagine. No, This is a money grab, and it worked. He did a uh, master class, you know, like the master class website Mm. subscription thing. Yeah. And his was how to write a thriller. It wasn't how to write a good book or even how to write a book. It was just how to write a thriller, like a very specific thing. And that's what he does, and he's very good I'm at it. I'm curious what his steps were. Step one, professor of some bullshit. Step two, hot lady. Step three, mystery. Step four, the guy that hired you to do the mystery is the bad guy. A assassin and a secret shadowy organization fighting for and or fighting against a shadowy organization. Mixing in some the end, conspiracy doesn't matter. theories. Yeah. Because oh, totally. the guy that hired you is the one that did it. As I said before, he has, he has like a Mad Libs flow chart that he fills out. And he's like, that's a book. He's got a uh, plot he, outline. Yeah. And then he just Mad Libs the details. And Robert Langdon bangs a different hot lady every time. I was, uh, I think I said, I think I talked about this on the Da Vinci Code, but I, I think it'd be funny, or someone made this joke to me, I don't remember now, if every book ended with a different James Bond kind of sequence like that, where they're like, well, you've never fucked a Tai Chi expert, have you? And just like a different, like, kind of like... In Da Vinci Code, he doesn't actually get to bang her because all the uh, people take her away. Oh, she like goes to lead the cult? She goes in hiding or something. Well, because she's a descendant of Christ. Yeah. I know, he's like... And she could have said, like, you never fucked a descendant of Christ before. And the holiest of holes. I'm going to make you call out my daddy. <laughs> Who's my daddy? <laughs> um, if you, this, is, this is prime beach reading kind of stuff. And I, as Nate said before, it does make you feel kind of smart reading it. And that's, Until you think about it a little more. Yeah, it's important that you do that step. A lot of people don't. <laughs> and they just, like, start quoting shit. And it's like, you know, you know Michelangelo did that. And he's like, no, he didn't. You're wrong. <laughs> but I remember I read the uh, Da Vinci Code in like college, and I thought, like, wow, this is all real. Could, like all the all the conspiracy bullshit. I was like, oh my god. And then I realized, like afterwards, like no, of course it wasn't. He just made it up for this fucking book. I mean, it's like it's like his little disclaimer in the front is like the equivalent of uh, when you watch like a 
movie or something, and they're like, based on a true story. <laughs> like, really? This happened? Yeah. Like, no. The true story is there was once a mailman in a town, and everything else <laughs> is fake. Like, it's, it's, like, that's the, Loosely based. Yeah. Um, so who should read it? If you haven't already... We ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you haven't seen the movie that came out fucking 15 years ago... Ewan McGregor plays the camel liquor, right? Yeah. In the book, he's an Italian, but in the movie, he's Ka- Ewan McGregor. I've never seen it, actually. Ewan? Ewan McGregor. Yeah. Actually, the Da Vinci Code movie was not very good. For I can't remember why, but it wasn't good. Oh, because the Angel book sucked. was actually a much better movie. Surprisingly, much better than in Da Vinci Code. Though in the movie, they make it a sequel to the Da Vinci Code rather than a prequel, even though it's not a prequel because it came out first. They just made a sequel with like a, a throwaway line because it doesn't really it doesn't matter. matter. The sequence of the books is irrelevant. They're just like, oh, you had some problem with the church that last time. And he's like, ugh. And then they move on. Like, you know. I mean, it's, it's like any other of those thriller character series. Like, the order is, Jack Ryan's. doesn't matter. Yeah. You could read instead of, instead of uh, the greatest CIA agent, he's the greatest Harvard art history professor. Symbologist. Mm. Yeah, they call him a symbologist later on, but in this one, he's really just an art history professor. I guess the maybe he decided to do another PhD and was more focused. I'm not sure. I really don't want to reread Da Vinci Code to see which one's better at this point. No, thank but you. Th- this one came first, so like he kind of like had his the freshest ideas of the book here. But it also just has like it could be really tightened up. There's like, a lot of crap that could have been trimmed out of it. I feel like the Da Vinci Code was shorter and therefore better. <laughs> but I don't remember. I've read one or two of his others, and it's they're all the same. Boss read, symbol was so fucking stupid. That's we got. They're making Origin, a show of it. I think Origin. Origin is the one I haven't read, and then there's uh, Inferno, which is also bad, which is very similar to this actually. Oh, so, well, so they're all very similar. Origin is about the you know the beginning, like what the about creation, you know, the yeah, but of and, life, and, which was like this, and that also is riddled with inaccuracies. I know because oh, because there's a there's a fucking AI in that one, and it's about biochemistry or something. But I just know he. So I don't know why they call a symbologist. We should. Well, you know, we'll we'll read that one at some point. We oh, should God, maybe in like please, two or three no. or four years. <laughs> no rush. I've even read the non Robert Langdon books he wrote. And they're fine. They're the same thing. It's just, you know, it's just replace symbologists with uh, uh, Digital Fortress was like NSA. He makes the Michael Bay person. version of books. It's trash, but you enjoy it. Yeah, it's pretty fair. And you don't think about it very much. Otherwise, you know it's bad. Yeah, but it's, I, 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 I repeat myself. It's like every other thriller. I don't think he's particularly yeah. bad. I think they're all, I think the genre is bad. He might be yeah. better than average, actually. I'm sure there, there's got to be like a like a really, really good thriller. I don't know what it is, though. I think people would say shit like Tinker, Tailor, Soldier, Spy or something like that. You know, like, say, like <laughs> spy, you know, shit Ugh. like that. I just got fucking flashbacks. I, 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 would, I would read Da Vinci Code again before I read I would read that. every Dan Brown book before I read Tinker, Tailor again. Yeah. More like Stinker, Taylor. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Taylor? I barely know her. <laughs> So I guess we're saying if you like trash, read this book. And if you're expecting... You probably read this book already, though. So. Yeah, and if you're expecting something better than trash, don't read this book. Recycling? That's, that's the genre Dan Brown is not into. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to reduce and reuse, 
read something else. His is just a giant pile of burning car tires. (laughs) 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 And asbestos. Detroit, the book. (laughs) (laughs) I guess in the meantime, tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at Drunk Guys Book Club. And again, if you've listened this long, why not head over to patreon.com slash drunkguysbookclub to help support the podcast or just leave us a review wherever you listen and uh, just render it five stars, one for every hundred pages too long this book was. And you can also go to Goodreads and be our friend there so we can be friends on Goodreads. It's a tautology, I think. And check out the Hopped Up <laughs> Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.